Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Career Pack Podcast. My name is Neil Patel. I'm the host of the pod. And today we have a fucking baller guest joining us today. Here's why. I have a bunch of respect for people who are raw, keep it open and honest. They don't sugarcoat shit, speak their heart, especially surrounding things that are a little bit more controversial. So today's guest is exactly a representation of that because you don't see a lot of that nowadays, which is why I'm so pumped to have him on. So uh, Parm or Johal underscore capital, better known as on all fucking social platforms. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for ha- coming on today. I really, I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Thank you for the beautiful words, man. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate that, man. Dude, you've been been killing it, man. I, I remember I started I started following you back when you had like I think five hundred or two hundred. I think you were like one of the first people to like follow me and hit me. And yeah, we started, dude, I, yeah. We started shooting the shit about <laughs> random stuff back then about politics, and I remember it was I think it was about stocks, and then uh, we talked on the phone for a little bit. Yeah, and. Yeah. It's because I, I try. I'm like on and off with social media, and like yeah, now yeah, I'm really yeah, trying yeah. to like take it serious with like the whole podcasting thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I just went to your page. I was like, "Holy shit, dude! You fucking <laughs> grew like a motherfucker." So, um, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, man. Uh, first thing I wanted to start off with is, I know a lot of people know you for like the economic, political, and business content. I want to get. I want to know more about your story. So, yeah. and if you don't mind, how old are you? I just turned thirty-two. On 32. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. So take me back to, cause I'm 21. So yeah. take me back to 18 year old Joe Hall or even earlier, Yeah. I guess. What's your story and what did your life look like in the past before it took the turn to start doing this business, political and economic content? Yeah, dude. I, uh, well, I mean, like, uh, I told this story to my uh, personal friends, people that aren't family, um, usually, you know, and uh, I mean, eventually one day I'll probably share it. I just don't, I, I usually don't talk about it because I feel like majority of the time you need uh, on social media, you need some type of validation before you start speaking, right? Like, I feel like you need either, you got to be passionate about something, you got to really care and people are going to see through it if you don't, or you got to actually be doing what you're talking about, right? Like if, if, I, if I was just talking about real estate, and I didn't even own one rental, you'd be kind of like, what the hell is this guy talking about? You know what I mean? And uh, so like, I feel like once I get to that point where I'm actually like legit, legit, I'd probably open this up, but I'll give you the exclusive, you know, the backstory. Cause you are like, I do consider you as a, as like a friend, even though we don't talk all the yeah. time or whatever. Like if yeah. you ever hit my line and said, Hey, I need help with something. I'd be like, all right, fuck, here you go. You Appreciate know? that. Yeah, of course. And um, the honest story is uh, it's more about family. It's not about me. I uh, straight up, I would not be who I am, where I am, have the opportunities I have if it wasn't for my mom and my dad. And uh, everything is like, I, they're like my gods, man. Like, I mean, even though, you know, sometimes we disagree, you know, we have whatever, but everything is on them. I attribute all my success to them. And it'd be a lie if I said, you know, I did anything on my own. I didn't. Even when I went through, you know, my police training or whatever, you know, they were like my backbone. They're the ones I fell back on. They're like, keep pushing me, like, you know, go for it, do it, right? And, um, no, they came over typical Indian story, right? Like immigrants had nothing, uh, saved every penny, the community rallied around them, helped them out. And, you know, we got, uh, helped them get a gas station and, you know, they both worked, you know, close to 14, 15 hours a day each and lived well below their means. You know, I grew up, you know, uh, we grew up in a two bedroom apartment. Uh, well, we always had two beds like, or two bedrooms, you know, but when we got the business, it was a two bedroom apartment. 
And, uh, you know, today is, is ironic because my grandpa, today's the day, it's my grandpa's birthday that just passed last year. Hey, and happy birthday, yeah, Tom. <laughs> I, you know, God bless wherever he is right now, you know, but he, uh, it would be two beds, my grandma, my grandpa in one bed and me and my sister would literally share a bed. And uh, that's how we grew up, you know, and it wasn't like we didn't, we, we, we had clothes on our back, we had food in our bellies and, uh, you know, it, that was just life. And from there, it just, you know, they showed us what hard work is and what patience means to, you know, get the things you want, but just, just, you know, do it in the right way. And uh, they, you know, we, I finished uh, college, you know, they, they paid for college and all that. And uh, I just, I knew that watching their entrepreneurism and watching, you know, going from having absolutely nothing to being able for them to be able to pay for my college. I was like, yeah, that can only be done through business and very, 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 very hard work. So from there on, I was always like, I got to figure out a way, like, what is this money thing, bro? And like, how does it work and why? And, uh, you know, I also had to get over a lot of guilt in my life, right? Because we went back to Punjab. Like, I never drank a beer until I was like 23. Cheers, and, by the way. Yeah, cheers, brother. Cheers. Uh, <laughs> cheers. I did not because I was like, when I saw the poverty there and I was like, well, why me? You know, why am I the one that was lucky? And then for me to get over that, it was like, dude, you got to go do something with your life, make a shit ton of money, then give back. Uh, that's the only way you're going to make a fear because no one gives a shit about your pity and like, oh my God, why am I? Nobody gives a shit. You want to help, go out, go do something, become productive, take that money, give back. And, uh, you know, so I started just dude, with my free time. It's nothing but YouTube and Google searching and audiobooks on wealth and everything, right? Stumbled across uh, Bigger Pockets, stumbled across, you know, obviously Robert Kiyosaki and just, you know, they, they don't give you all the answers, but you start piecing stuff together yourself. And uh, luckily I was in a position where I did get my education and, uh, you know, my parents saw that uh, I had a decent work ethic and they took a shot on me. And, uh, you know, they were my first investors, uh, you know, for my real estate. And uh, that's awesome. And then from there, it just kind of grew and, excuse me, and now, you know, it's to the point where I'm able to raise about a million to a couple million a year, depending on the deal size. And we go out, we just take down, you know, bigger deals. And hopefully that just continues to grow. And then, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's the story. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome, man. I think you said a lot of cool, really, really good stuff there, man. I'm starting to get to the age now where I'm starting to appreciate all the stuff my parents have done for me. Yeah. Right? Because I... I only did two years of college, right? And then after two years of college, I just started working. Yeah. Right? So so that was really hard on my parents to like kind of swallow that pill. I think yeah, it, yeah. It, it even is to this day. Yeah. Being for, Indian, for, that's like a, it's such a, it's, I'll let you finish. I feel like that's no, so, no, go ahead. No, I feel like it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like in our communities, it's like they want that for us to be able to be like, oh, my kid's not a failure. But that doesn't mean just because you have a college degree or you don't, that doesn't mean you're going to be successful or not in life. Like, I don't know why our, because we've been told that mentality. We've been sold that mentality. Like, Oh, without a college education, you know, yeah, and it's and, hard and, to overcome that. And it's funny. Cause I have a sister, I have an older sister who's close to your age. She's 33 mm -hmm. and she paved or she's 32. Actually, she's your age. Yeah. And she paved like literally everything for me. Like I have so much credit to give to my sister because she took like all the hard years and all the hard shit that, you know, my dad and grandma and mom had to go through for mm -hmm. me to have the life that I have now. And I think me not finishing college, I think it's something that I will do one day. Mm -hmm. I just don't know when, 
like right now I'm just so focused on just like working again, saving money, trying to invest in assets and, you know, talk to cool people like yourself. That's, that's all I'm focused on right now. Um, but yeah, just, I just think it's a very interesting kind of dichotomy with having Indian parents, but also balancing doing what you want, but also being fucking grateful that, dude, you have this roof over your head. Like I have yeah. a, a place to have this podcast. Like it's those little things that at night I'm just like, dude, thanks. So, thank you so much, dad. Like, you know, you and I may have gotten into it today, but dude, I fucking love you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I think anyone that's like uh grown up in that, like, you know, uh, brown, I guess you could say, uh, you know household uh all backgrounds like i have friends that are muslims that have gone through the same thing i have friends that are like hindu that have gone through the same thing i have chinese filipinos friends i've gone through the same it's just that immigrant culture that's just like and they want what's best for us right and they're not coming from a bad spot like they're not like telling us stuff that's like oh i want to make sure our kid does bad they literally legitimately want the best for us but sometimes it's like you know we got to be able to find our own path right and and it's hard for a parent that just is willing to literally give their own kidney for you to be like, I know, I think you should do this as safer, right? It's not safe to, you know, uh, start a podcast and, and give it all, give all that right. Or, or to do real estate, you know, why would you do really go, you know, take the nine to five or you're guaranteed set. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's hard to break that mentality. That's something, you know, we got to overcome if we want to get to the next level. My dad's, my dad's at an age now where he's super comfortable with like everything that he like, like we live in like a normal middle-class like townhome. Right. And it's taking him, it's taking him years to like pay this off. And now he's at a point where it's like, dude, like I'm good. Like, I don't want to take any risk. I just want to stack cash. I want to live my life. And I'm, and I'm, I was like, dad, you know, you could, cause when I watch a bunch of shit, I'm like, dad, you could get like a HELOC. You can like go get this property. You can get cash flow. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. But like, I'm chilling. And you know, part of me wants to have that for him but it's also like you're good you yeah know? so just keep living your life um dude i just want to add yeah. like the, the fact that you said that bro like we're <laughs> it's so funny bro we're literally in the same boat my dad is exactly like your dad he's like like i'll give you whatever i have extra you could go ahead and invest it but i am not leveraging yeah. I, am not, I am done don't even come to me about the he who ha ha and i'm done you know so, yeah. but they earned it, bro. And we can't, you know, we got to respect that, you know, 100%. you know, we could tell them, of course, we're going <laughs> to, those are, yeah. that's the entrepreneurship in us, right? Like that's the, we're like, Hey, we could do this. We could do that. Cause we're always thinking outside of the box. But you know, when you get to that age, you're kind of just like, you know, he, he's probably proud of you. He's probably proud of your sister. And he's like, yo, I did my job. You know, I, I don't need anything else, you know, <laughs> not, not to get too deep here, but like, I don't, I personally believe that my for my dad, the, the day that he'll be the most proud of me is when mm-hmm. I like walk across the stage with a degree. That's just yeah. what I personally, it may be wrong, may not, may be right, may be wrong. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't talked about it with him, but whenever, um, I lost my train of thought, but, but yeah, regardless, I'm just super grateful that I have what I have because yeah, I think no, that's yeah. super, super important to keep in mind. One thing you touched on when you were initially answering was yeah. your life as a cop or your like police training, right? Mm-hmm. So did you... Um, if you're comfortable talking about it, did you, what was that journey like of getting into the police force and when did it start? How long were you in it? Just explain that process. Well, dude, I mean, you know, I just, man. And why too? uh, You know, when I was younger, I was looking around like, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. These questions started to me when I was like 16. I I was never, I mean, I finished my, uh, I have a master's now and I, I feel stupid for saying that because it's like, I didn't even need it. It, I just got pushed down that path, 
right? Because you just feel like, oh, you need to do it. I don't even use it, right? So when I was 16, I was never, college was never even in the, I was like, screw college. I'm not going to pay somebody, you know, an astronomical amount of money to do what? I, there was none of the jobs there <clears throat> that was appealing. I always thought oh, I'm going to take over the gas station, buy another gas station, right? And um, we had a career day and we had the California Highway Patrol, you know, come down and they were just talking about how cool it is, you know? So I was like, you know what? Let me, let me look into this. And I was like, uh, look into it. And you saw how much money they made. And I was like, wow, they make this much <laughs> money that, you know, and then it was just like, you know, and then, so we were like, okay, let's, let's get a little bit more involved if we're serious about it. I've always been that person. I've always been about action. So I became an explorer for the highway patrol at the age of like 16. And then from 16 to 21 for five years, I was an explorer for them. And, you know, we had mentors that were already officers that would start talking to us about life. And they just really kept us in the straight and narrow path. And uh, I fell in love with it. bro. I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, like who wouldn't want to be a cowboy in the West? I mean, you're out. I mean, it was a, it is still a job that I love, but you know, it is a, it is an unrewarding job in the sense of like, no one's ever going to be happy to see you. You're either dead or take someone to jail or someone's having the worst day of their life and they're about to get a ticket or something bad happened to them. Right. So you're never going to get a good old, hey, out of boy on the back, right? <laughs> They're not going to be happy to ever see you. But the feeling that you get when, you know, you help that, you know, stranded motorist or you help somebody that has a flat tire or you come and aid somebody when their car got stolen and, the, and it feels like the world around them is falling down. You're just there to help. It's just, yeah, that was the best feeling. And we got to go on ride alongs, you know, from the age of like 16 all the way to 21. So I got to see firsthand what that job was like. And I was like, wow, if I'm going to do anything in my life, yeah, the money part would have been checked because the salary is good, the pension's good, the healthcare was good. But I was like, yeah, I get to wake up every day and do this. Like, yeah, sign me the hell up, bro. And that, yeah. that's, that's where that came from. And then, you know, then you get down to reality and then you realize that it's, uh, you know, uh, you know it, it is one of the finest law enforcement agencies in the world. It was very hard to get in. It is very excruciating. We, it was a living academy. We're military style, right? Uh, you know, we passed and I, I still thought like, I'm going to make a difference. And I did, uh, you know, when I was there, like I did, I felt in my heart, like there was people I impacted because there's people I'd cut a break to, you know, there was people that I would let, you know, slide on stuff that I was like, Hey, cause you just, you take everything case by case. You're not there to drop the hammer on it. You're there to serve the community. Right. But then the other aspects of it, the bureaucracy of it, and any cop can attest to this when you got a Sergeant breeding down your neck and it doesn't really become about helping and all that. It just becomes pushing numbers and it becomes just like, you're just another number to them. And then it makes you feel small, right? It makes you feel like, well, what am I doing here? I, I thought I was a part of something bigger, but mm -hmm. you're not. And then, you know, then the reality sets in and then, you know, everything else that's going on in the world right now sets in. And then I'm looking at myself like, okay, I'm married. I'm, uh, I want to have a kid one day. Do I really want to be working midnight? Do I really want to, you know, you grow up in a sense, right? You go from that kid that was just like wide eyed and like, I want to save the world to just, you know, reality check, like, hey, this is a job at the end of the day. Yeah, it's still a great job. Yeah, you're still going to help people. But <clears throat> think about your age, think about where you are, think about, you know, where your kids are going to be, are you still going to give up weekends? Are you still going to give up holidays? All those realities start setting in, right? And then you're like, you know, I loved it. But if I have an opportunity to do something else, I did it for seven years, it was great. I want to go try something else different in my mm. life. And uh, that, that, that was the story of that, you know? And I think if I would have stayed on, I would, I would have had a great career. I mean, some of my best friends are still on the force. We talk all the time, you know? So it's, it's not like, 
you know, it's, it sucks because that camaraderie, you kind of lose that. And that goes with any job you separate from. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone goes through different stages in their life. You know, you're going to seasons. Have to- I like to call it seasons. Seasons. Yeah. That's a beautiful word too. Right. Like, and at the, where I am right now, I'm really on the mindset of like, get passive, get free. So no one can silence me and just live my life. Right. Because the thing that really woke me up during the pandemic was, you know, the reality of life set in like average, let's just say you live 70 years, you know, I'm 32. So I'm like 38 years away from adios. Right. So that 38, that's only 38 birthdays. It's only mm-hmm. 38, 4th of July, 38 new years, 38 Thanksgivings, 38, whatever you want to call it. So how, how do I want to spend it? What do I really want to do? And what matters? And that was my biggest wake up. Cause I was like, wow, they robbed us for two years. Right. Like they, you know, I mean, in the beginning of the pandemic, not to, not to get into that, but I mean, like life, life got robbed from everybody because of what was going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And it really put me into perspective. Like, dude, we're not immortal. We're not going to live forever. So what really matters to you, figure that out as quickly as you can and chase and build a life around that, you know, and that's, that's when I made the move from saying, Hey, I no longer want to be a peace officer. I want to pursue this real estate thing. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want to go all in. So you left, you left the <clears throat> police force. What is that? Four, four years ago, then four years I, ago. I actually left last year in oh, 20, really? okay. yeah, yeah, 2022, when I moved down here to Dallas and April was my last day. So, oh, wow. so <clears> it's, it's, it's coming up on a year. Uh, dang. actually in two weeks, it'll be one year since I've no longer been a cop. Did you guys just, uh, in the, in the police force, is it like, what's your work schedule? Like, is it like overnight shifts? Is it like 40 hours, 60 hours? How does that work? Yeah. It all depends, man. It all depends, right? It depends on, you know, the size of your department, the size of the needs. And, uh, if you're, you know, each, you know, depends, like, do you go by seniority, right? Or do you go by, you know, the, <clears throat> every single agency is different and every single, you know, um, uh, everyone has their own way of doing it, but yeah, you're going to have to work nights, right? Like you're going to have to get rotated in, you know, you're going to have to, uh, make bigger sacrifices. There's going to be holidays you work. Guess what? Those holidays are our busiest days because that's when the drunks are out. That's craziest. when the domestic violence are happening. That's where all the crazy stuff's happening. Right. And, um, yeah, like I said, as you get older, you're like, uh, do I really want to blow my back out, you know, chasing down some dude and, and, you know, like, is this what I want to do? And uh, I had enough of it, you know, and I'm like, okay, I got the, I got it out of my system. It was fun. It was great, mm-hmm. but let's, let's move on. It was, it was time for me to move on. Gotcha. Did, um, during the whole situation of like with, when social media took off on this, the whole George Floyd thing yeah, and with all the news spreading around people who would like just instantly take out their phone and like frame cops in a bad manner, whether it's like, uh, cops using their power over them or them acting entitled and with social media i think nowadays cops are framed as people who are like simply put just like not good people yeah or with all the shit that you see how did that affect you during that time yeah dude i mean look it it, it doesn't um i've always been a type of person that <clears throat> i feel like if you can't argue both sides of something then, then you shouldn't be spouting out an opinion, mm. you know? So, and I, I try to hold myself to that standard, you know, whenever I post or whenever I talk, you know, on a podcast and I'm giving you one idea or giving you my opinion, I say, first off, Hey, this is my opinion. This is not facts. And I try to say, 
I could see how somebody else might see it another way. And, um, you know, let's, let's talk about the social, you know, injustices. It's like, was there things wrong for that particular case? Absolutely. Like, you know, <clears throat> but there was there more details that came out and stuff that happened. Yeah, there was, you know, so there's, there's always more to a story than, than what's there. But the main story is, is, you know, are cops abusing their power? And, you know, are we following up with everything? Are we, you know, responding to more white neighborhoods than we are to black neighborhoods, all of it. And nobody should be scared to talk about it. And it should be out there. And a cop shouldn't be offended by being accused or not accused, but like by saying, hey, let's have this conversation. Like, where are we and how we can improve? If you are a cop today and you are on deaf ears, you're like, I'm doing everything right. I don't want it. Really? That's impossible. That's impossible, bro. We can yeah. all improve. There's always something we can improve on. We can make it better, right? And I do think there's a lot of things that we could do. At the same time, I do think there's a lot of great cops that are doing a great job and they get, you know, a bad rap because of the bad ones. And, I, and there's, unfortunately, there's always going to be some bad cops. But I, and I, I think the only way to root them out is to blast it on social media. It's okay. I mean, I'm not offended. If somebody came up on my scene and they were trying to record... I'm going to be calm, cool, and collect them. Like, hey, just keep your distance, you know, but I, I don't know why everyone across the nation doesn't have a body cam, like mm. how, how every agency does it. I think like that's, it's honestly, it's crazy. And you got to remember, I, I came from West Coast. You know, I came from the California Highway Patrol. Ooh, bro, I, I, we pride ourselves on being the greatest law enforcement agency. We are very progressive with, you know, we were one of the first agencies to have mental health awareness training. You mm. know, we were the first ones to like have this outreach, Right. But if you trickle it down, there's no uniformity in law enforcement. There's a lot of things that need to be addressed. For example, if you're a freaking cop, like let's say hypothetically, let's say you're a cop in, uh, let's say in Iowa, and uh, you've been blatantly called out for racism or for uh, abuse of power and whatever, and it's been documented and you've been signed and everything's been done, and you get fired, why is it okay for you then to move to like, you know, in, in, to Maine or to Pennsylvania and become a cop. Like, how is that okay? Like, that, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? Like, if you weren't a cop that was an ethical, good cop there, why should you be able to be, that, you know, where is that inner, where is that crossing, you know? How do, how do they, how do they even, how are they even allowed that? Dude, it's just sometimes you get to talk your way out of it. You know, you do. And this is what really does happen. Like, I mean, if I resigned in lieu of before, you know, let's, let's just say I was a horrible cop. Let's say I was a cop in, uh, let's just use like Nevada, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, all I did was pull over black people and I gave them all tickets. And all of a sudden people look at my rap and they're like, what the, f this guy's pulling over nothing but black. Let's open up an investigation, right? And then I say, hey, instead of all this internal investigation, I just rather resign. And they're like, oh, okay. And then I moved to freaking Pennsylvania or I moved to, you know, wherever. And I say, yeah, I just wanted to take a break. You know, the department wasn't really lining up and they're going to go. They can't talk bad about me. Mm. Like that's, you know, they can't do that. So where is the overlap? Why don't we have an overlap committee? You know what I mean? Like we should have like a federal agency that tracks the behavior. You know what I mean? Like, and those are the type of things I'm all for, for justice reform. 110%. It's, we should have more accountability. I mean, dude, the amount of power you have as a cop, like your life is in my hands. I understood that power. I've never treated somebody like beneath me. I've always, I didn't care if you were a crackhead or if you were some millionaire I'm pulling over with a Porsche, I'm going to treat you with the same line of respect 
Amor treat you with dignity. Now, if you step out of line and you think something, you think shit's sweet, it's not going to be sweet. You're going to see a side of me that you're not going to like. And that's, you know, that's because I got to handle business and you're not going to just, you know, you, I give you respect. I demand you're going to reciprocate it back. And if you're not, then, then we're going to have to, because I can't just sit there and be like, oh, sir. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. Oh, oh you weren't speeding. Okay. No, I'm there to do a job. My job is to enforce and to enforce, I need to sometimes be able to use force. Now that force needs to be reasonable. There mm -hmm. could be verbal force. It all comes down on my demeanor. It could be physical force. I say, okay, you know what? Fuck this. It's enough. Turn your ass around. You're going to jail. Like I'm not dealing with your shit, right? Oh, you don't want to do it? Okay, then I might have to use the taser. I might have to do, you know, that is the hardest part. It's like individually, like on you as an officer, when is like, where do you use it? It's like gauging it. It is it's like it's, it's like find, finding the gauge. And I think uh, I talk about it with my buddies all the time, like about um, even even with like um, like uh, like if like a concealed carry or like guns, like cops with guns and like breaking down like situations and knowing, <laughs> OK, like when when do you when do you use force? When can you just um, handle a situation verbally or could things have been uh, de-escalated or could this cop have like treated the situation a little bit differently in this video or whatever it is right so we always talk about those things so like what was your way of gauging it because i think that's such a hard balance you know it like, is was it, what, did you look for like triggers or like certain emotional things from that person or i think a lot of it um and we had a like i said i'm, I'm gonna say this again i think the higher patrol is the number one agency if i was king of the world <laughs> or king of america what i would do is just make everybody go through the higher patrol training because it's excruciating, but they're going to weed out bad people. I mean, you know, it, it, it's, you know, everything, right? And the Highway Patrol also takes all walks of life. Mm. So they take people that have a college education. They take people that were contractors, people that were roofers, people that were teachers, people that were in the military, because you want to have a good batch because you're going to be dealing with all kinds of walks of life. And I, and they've always said like, you know, on our image perspective, you're a peace officer first. Your job is to bring peace. Like you need to assess the situation and first calm everybody down, then get to the root of it. Right. And at number two, you know, we had a lot of training about, uh, you know, like why did, why did, why did people criminals attack officers? You know, why did they, you know, and they, they interviewed the FBI went out and they interviewed a lot of these cop, uh, these cop assaulters and said, why did you, why did you decide to hit this cop? Why did you fight this cop? And he said, majority of them said he looked soft. He walked up, his fucking boots were dirty, shirts untucked. He got fucking food on his shit. I was like, yeah, this guy's a punk. I could take him. So what does that mean? That means it's all about your demeanor. You have to have a certain demeanor when you're talking to people. And you're, the only way to vet that out is kind of in the academy or when you're going through field training. If you don't have people's skills, you better learn quick. And how you assess it, there's so many different things, right? Like it's all situation-based. Like if you're coming up on a potential stolen car, someone hops out of a car and they say, hey, man, what are you doing here, bro? And then you can see they got their fists clenched. You know, they're hanging it down. You know, they're breathing a little bit heavy. They're looking up. Come on. As a human being, you're not going to be like, hey, Thor, how you doing? You're, you're not going to be Officer Doofy. They're going to be like, hey, bro, unclench your fist. Get your ass back in the fucking car. Right? And it's just the way you say that, the way you talk to somebody and the demeanor you have, it's going to change your interaction. Right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't, I, I, there's no way to really teach that. It, it's either you kind of have it or you don't, right? Like mm. you have to be able to read that situation. 
And people know when you look a man in the eyes and you're talking to him, like if I'm looking you in the eyes right now and I'm dead serious, I'm like, unclench your fist and get in the car or else we're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. And if he takes you seriously, if your shit squared away, you look good, you're fit, you're not fucking fat and slobby and you're, and you're ready and they know like, oh shit, like, do I really want to test this guy right now? And we're going to go with the program. Majority mm-hmm. of the time, they're probably going to go with the program. If they're not, then you got to go handle business, right? But if you're coming up on somebody who's speeding, right? Let's say they're going 90 miles an hour. And this is where officers can get better too, because it goes both ways. You roll up on that car, dude, you're already probably going to give them a ticket, right? So why are you going to chew their ass and give them a ticket? There's no reason for you to go to the car and be like, no, fucking fast. You were going back there. You know, like you don't need to do that. You just got to say license, registration, proof of insurance. You know, like, and that's also demeanor. Like nobody, who who knows what that guy is going through. That's also called having empathy. Who knows if he just got divorced? Who knows if he found out his wife was cheating on him or, or, or he just got fired from his job and he's about to lose his house or that his kid just died yesterday or who knows why he's doing what he's doing. And you're going to be that person that adds fuel, you know? So that situation also needs to be handled in a different way too. Right. And all this is going to come down to like better training, man. It just comes down to better training and more accountability in all walks, right? Right. I think it's, I think there's so much there to unpack because there's so many skills that go into like the job that you do. Like, yeah. being... well, we're, well, we're losing good cops. That's what scares yeah. me. That's yeah. what scares me because a lot of these cops, man, they're, they're smart. You think they're people. soft? You think, that... you think, you think some, you think some cops, or like, let me put it this way. Do you think, for example, the type of training that you went through, you claim to like for it to be the best, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think there's um, agencies or training programs around the country that kind of take it easy? On... It's, it's not that they take it easy. Like there's a, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a part of the department. So I can fucking tell you how I feel. Like some of it is a racket, right? I'll give you an example for the hiring patrol. You have to, you have to pass your, your written tests and all that, which is, which is hard. It's not easy. Um, you know, and you have to be able to do your physical standard and all that. Then you get into the academy. All right. In our academy, it's a living academy. Like they're going to grind your ass. Like you're fucking, it's, it's Marine based like type training where you show up on pickup day, they're fucking yelling. They're screaming at you. Right. You go, you get, you get assigned in a dorm. You're packed in there with three other dudes in a room. You got fucking two shitters and two showers and 12 dudes in the morning trying to all shave shit and shower. You know, we're waking up at 5 a.m. You go through a rigorous workout. Then you go run three miles. You come back, you shower, and you barely have enough to put armpit, you know, just get the get the basics done. You dress up, you're fucking squared away, and you start your training day. And along the whole way, there's staff all around. Stop. You know, they'll stop you in the middle. They'll start fucking yelling at you. They'll grill you. You know, one thing's wrong. We have a staff office where we have to report. If you fuck up, you go to the staff office. You know, you got to be able to sound off. Everything is like, sorry, yes, at the top of your lungs. You know, and then you, you know, you fuck up at the staff office. You're going to have four or five officers around you. They're looking, is this fucker going to freeze up? If you got four or five people yelling at you, are you going to be able to sound off and be like, you know, sorry, no, sorry, yes, you know what I mean? Like, are you, are you just going to be like quivering and shaking away? Also, are you going to be able to handle five people yelling at you? Because if you can't mentally handle five in a controlled environment, five people yelling at your face, screaming at the top of their lungs, like literally you could smell what they had for breakfast. Right. If you're going to be like, hey, get the fuck back, man. Do you think that's the officer you want on the road? No, that's that's somebody you want to boot out. You got to be disciplined. You got to be you know what I mean? You got to be locked in. You're training all the way until 10 or 11 o'clock at night because mm-hmm. you're firing everything up. You're running off of four or five hours of sleep. You're held to a high standard. You got to be able to drive good. You got to be able to pass the high speed test. You got to be able to shoot. 
You got to be able to pass all your post tests. On top of that, you have all of the CHP stuff that happens, right? You have all the inner, uh, inner agency stuff that you have to pass. And along the way, the attrition rate is damn near like 50%. Half the people fucking wash out. Then you get to field training. And in the field training aspect of it, it's the same thing. You got an officer, you get three different officers, right? You go through, you know, uh, 30 days with each one. And every day they're writing a log. Like, how did this person perform? Because at this point, the department's looking at, is this guy going to be a lie? Is this guy or this gal going to be a liability for us? They're looking for reasons to fire you there because they're like, can this guy or this gal handle this pressure? And then when you finally get through, then they're like, oh, okay, good. You're good. And usually you're pretty good in field training because if you made it past that academy and it's six and a half months now of that grueling torture and it's fucking nonstop, they're assholes to you all the way until the last day. Then it's like, welcome to the force, brother. And you're like, holy shit, you were just, you know what I mean? Like, so then my other buddies, you know, the other, other officers that we have, how do they go through their training? What's different? What's different for them is it is kind of a pay to play, right? You pass your minimum test, you go through, you pass your academy class. With the Highway Patrol, you're guaranteed a job with the with the office in the Highway Patrol after. When you go through a regular training, you know, they don't care. You're paying them money. You pass. And then you have to go apply. And there is no staff office. There is no somebody yelling at you. There is no none of that. This is for other departments in California. I don't know how it works in the East Coast, but I can tell you from the area I'm from, that's how it works, right? And then you get out to field training, and then they have a huge washout rate because no one's ever yelled at them. You know, you're not going to pay to have somebody yell at you, right? Like it's, mm. it's a different type of standard. So right. you don't know how to deal with that conflict. And they do drop a lot of people, which they should. If you're not fit for the job, right. they do drop a lot of people. But it also comes down to at the end of the day, you need bodies on the road. You need bodies on the road. And if you can't get that quality person, you can't get enough quality persons, what are you going to do? If you need 100 officers in the city and you only have 50, what are you going to do? Because now you're doing a disservice to the community. You can't even handle calls. So it's in a tight spot. And the position we're in now, where if I was a young kid now and I saw all this stuff and everything, I'd be like, okay, I could either go you know, be a real estate agent, sell insurance, go work a corporate nine to five, or put myself through this scrutiny. What do you think they're going to do? Like what? Yeah. So th that's what I, and look, I am not saying take it easy on cops. I am saying hold them to a higher accountability standard. There should be a, over, a federal oversight board that follows your application, that sees everything through and then determines, can you even apply for another job, right? There should be body cameras across the nation, right? There's yeah. a lot of, and honestly, training should be uniform. Like, why is it that like domestic violence in the Middle East or in the Middle East, in the, in the back East or in the Midwest is handled different than it is from, you know, from California, right? Like it, it, we should have also like standardized training, which it is like post is standardized training, but you also have your own department training. You'll also have your own way of you doing things. And, you know, how do we solve that? That's a little bit above my pay grade. I think it's going to take a lot of work. That's when I, when you say justice reform, that's what I'm on board for. I'm on board for that. I'm like, hey, body cameras on everyone. Have an accountability board where, you know, if you get fired from a spot, that has to carry with you to the next spot and the whole investigation is opened up, right? Mm. Uh, I'm not on board with uh, taking away qualified immunity. I'm not. I'm sorry. But it's like, because in that case, what's happening is officers are just not going to take that risk. Is that what you want? Because think about this for a second. Think about this for a second. If And and I've had conversations with officers that are like, bro, I will resign if this happens in California. Like if they get a call and your home is being broken into, and you're like, oh my God, my home is being broken into. Someone please come. And now an officer and I got to come up to there. And then you're like, oh shit, I think I see a gun. It's on the first floor. I have a camera. This guy's walking around, right? 
if I'm a cop now, now I know, holy fuck, I'm going to get to that scene. What the fuck am I going to do? Am I going to shoot? You're already having these things run through your head. Now you're having to think, fuck, what do I do, bro? If I shoot this guy, am I going to, am I going to go to jail? Am I going to lose my house? Am I going to lose my car? You're not going to go as fast as you possibly can to that response. Mm. You're not. And, and, and I'm going to keep it real with you. I, I, you know, we're live. Hundreds of people are going to see this. And people want to say, oh, that's cowardly. You should go there. Shut the fuck up. If you're the one wearing that badge and you got that over your head where you're like, oh, fuck, dude, if I accidentally shoot or something, because it's a fucking fluid situation. It's a fluid. It's a human input and error can happen. If that mm. cop is already thinking about, man, what if I come up and I say, put your, put your hands up. And he turns back and he points the gun at me and I fire. I'm scared. I'm like, oh, fuck. I don't know if that's a toy gun. Who knows? What if that was a homeless guy that was carrying a toy gun? I shoot him. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, fuck, he was going to shoot me. I'm not going to go home. I shoot him. And everyone's like, see, that cop should have waited. He should have waited for him to fire him first. Let's hang this guy. Like, how could do you get what I'm saying? Man? Yeah, dude. It's so hard to. And that's all I'm trying to say, guys, is like, it's, I, we yeah. need to have these conversations, but don't do anything rash. Like, talk this out. Yeah. We have time on our side to be able to talk this out because you're going to lose good cops. They're going to say, or you're going to have cops just not wanting to respond to those dangerous crimes. I think it's like an ultimate balance. I made a podcast a couple days ago about how life is like the ultimate act of balance, like yeah. balancing your hobbies with your personal life or balancing, like being comfortable, having fun, but also doing uncomfortable, hard shit and growing and self-development. I think it's like this with everything, bro. Like everything that you just described, it's like, how do we make sure that there's enough cops out there? Right. But if we want enough cops, like, like the training that it takes to find these people, it takes a long time. Right. So two years. Yeah, exactly. And like you can't so it's like a it's like a the output is not enough for what's required. It's like a supply supply and demand thing, right? The demand is super high and like the supply it's like just barely there but like we can't find the good ones to get them out there. Right? Yeah. So it's so much of it's just a weird balance of so many things and I think people are so quick to make rash decisions or rash assumptions and judgments on anything like like for um, like cops in general. So I think, yes, sit down, have a conversation about it. But I think it's hard for people to go ahead and do that. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about. Can I say the, one more thing about. Sure, go ahead. Uh, this is I've been I don't know why I've never talked about this. It's a little bit too personal because I'm like, I just, you know, it gets too. It's hard for me to be able to detach because I've been a cop. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at it from not a civilian side. But, dude, we need help. Cops need help. All right. Cops need help. You, we, we can't ex- you can't expect the peace officer to go out and be a therapist as well mm-hmm. and, 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 and to be a, a mental health evaluator mm-hmm. as well. We need help from the state. We need help from the federal government. Then when we do see some, a, a fellow citizen in need mm-hmm. who is maybe off the rocker, maybe they're, they're, they're whatever it is, we need to be able to take them off the street and put them somewhere. Jail doesn't work, man. Jail doesn't work because we're releasing them right back out. We need help from everybody in society to say, Hey, this person needs serious help. And if they don't get it, they're going to hurt our society. We don't want to just throw them in jail. That's not fair. They need treatment. man. We need treatment facilities. We need something. We need resources, man. And until we get that too, we're going to continue to have these school shootings. We're going to continue to have all this stuff because so many times we see it and it breaks my fucking heart. We see so-and-so was a shooter. So-and-so was on an FBI list, was on a sheriff's list was on a police list, was also on the school disciplinary list. Why don't we have something that we can say, holy shit, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Let's 
help this person. I'm not saying fucking tranquilize them, throw them away in a job. I'm saying, can let's we get call better? them? Let's, like, let's call them. Can we can yeah. we can we take them to a facility to say, brother, what's going on in your life, man? Are things at home not okay? Okay, let's 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 get you in a foster home. Let's get you in a better situation. There's more to life. You have a you know. Let's help you. Let's help you, and not let's not wait until something bad happens and just say thoughts and prayers and then say take away guns and and, and fire cops. It's like. We, there's a we need to tackle this problem in multiple avenues. It's not a quick fix, and I'm tired of everyone trying to look for quick fixes. There's Nothing, no quick fix. There's everything no quick in life fix. is hard. Everything yeah. in life is hard. Everything in life takes effort and energy and hard work to get done. And, that, and that's the last thing. I you know, sorry. I know no, we no, no, it, no, dude. This this is great. I think because yeah. it's frustrating, man, for us because yeah. we're not bad people. We, 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 we're human just like everybody else. We, we cry. We feel. It, it, we develop these special relationships with people that are in our area. We literally know the drug addicts. We see them get better. We see them get worse again. And we're like, there's people we've taken to jail multiple times. And we're like, I'm, I'm slapping myself in the head. I'm thinking in my head. I'm talking to my partner. I'm like, it's like, fuck, I can help him. Dude, and not just that. I'm thinking... We're sending him to this jail where the state is spending twenty, thirty thousand dollars putting him through this process. Me and you both know we could spend that same amount of money. This person could that same amount of money could go to a better program that this person could actually get the help they need. And and that's what's frustrating, man. It's like we're out there swimming and drowning alone, and then we're getting bashed for not being like superheroes. And we're like, dude, we're just fucking human. We need help, man. We can't do this ourselves. This is not. You know, we need a whole – it takes a fucking village to raise somebody. You can't just rely on a group of people to take care of everybody and everything. It's not fair. And I'm not complaining saying it's not fair. Like, oh, it's not fair. It's not fair. I'm saying we want to help. We all want a better society for everybody, you know? And it's like it's a lot just being put strictly on cops with no other reinforcement. And all the bashing is only happening on cops. When are when are the politicians going to take responsibility? And when are the voters going to take responsibility and saying – we're not voting the right people in to actually make the changes that actually need to be done. It's not just a, you know, a, just a cop problem or just a single justice problem. It's a societal problem and we need to attack it in multiple angles. If we're going to change anything, if not, then, you know, we'll get on the news every time and we'll say prayers and thoughts and we'll rile people up and uh, we'll keep be right back where we are. And keep posting about it on our socials. And every time I see it, it's like, you know, this this may get um some hate towards me saying this, but whenever I whenever something like bad happens, right? Like a school shooting or anything that's like horrific, mm -hmm. I see a bunch of people post about it on their Instagram story, Snapchat, whatever it is. I don't like to do that. Yeah. Cause I just look at it and I get sad. Yeah, it's, it's like fucking depressing, man. It's it's depressing, right? And uh, I don't know if you follow basketball, but um, I don't know if you know who Steve Kerr is. He's um, you know, one of the um, he was a player for the Chicago Bulls, head coach for um, a basketball team in the NBA now. After the uh, Warriors, right? Yeah, for the Warriors, yeah, yeah, the head, yeah. co head coach of the Warriors. He after the school shooting happened in Uvalde, I believe. I think. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the name you you've led uh, the 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 Texas one, right? Where yeah. the cops didn't go in. You yeah, know. exactly. So, so the, yeah, that one, it was when they were playing the, the, they were playing a Dallas team, uh, the Dallas Mavericks and 
you know how before the game, like the coaches sit down and have an interview with like the press, like he walked in and he was like, look, we're not going to talk anything about basketball today. We're just going to sit down and let's talk about this thing. And he was so furious and he was like, I'm, I'm fucking tired of sending these like or saying these like prayers and condolences and sending all that. Like, when are we going to do something? And he was so furious. It put like the entire league on notice to be like, hey, like we got to do something about this. And even you and I right now, like we're sitting here talking about this and those, these conversations are very important. But when like when or when am i gonna go on social media and like every week and not see a school shooting or like not see this negative thing and everything is just so negative right now and i don't know how to find the balance of like putting out positive content addressing the negative staying positive in the in, in like it's like fuck bro like like what do you want me to do you know yeah you're just a human, it's, man. it's it's like and and people are so quick to dehumanize people yeah right it's like yeah. dude i'm just people see going left when others go right and it's like oh you're a bad person you're part of this group you do this thing well it's like no man i'm just putting out my thoughts this is what i think and i don't care what you have to say or i don't care like whether you're right this is what i think this is what i observe and i i just i just wish people took that conversational approach to sit down and be like hey you and i disagree with this let's talk about it yeah. it goes for you and i it goes for people at the local level the federal level the government like or the state level and the governmental level it goes for everything and the fact that it takes so long for any sort of change to happen maybe it'll take 10 15 years i don't i'm not an expert on the economy or the government but with the resources that the united states has there has to be a quicker way to get things implemented and i think what stands in the way is entitlement power and people wanting to serve themselves over the people yeah yeah now, i mean look i mean <clears throat> i don't think we should ever chase like a quick fix and i, I think you agree with me on that um my my biggest thing about this is like, and this is how I approach my life. Okay, this is how I approach everything I do in my life. Um, one, we both know we're smart enough to know nothing's going to happen overnight. That's right. number one. You're not going to get yeah. rich overnight. You're not going to get everything overnight. And I, I'm a huge believer in compounding, and that's like I view my world thinking, my geopolitical thinking, my domestic political thinking, even my personal life thinking is all about uh, compounding, right? So. You, you can't just look at the bigger goal and say, fix it. That's like somebody saying, I want to be a millionaire. And then they don't do nothing about it. It's like, fuck, no one's going to show up at your house and give you a bag of money, right? So what can we do, right? What, what like, in all these things we talked about today, I'm a huge believer that once I get into the actual political realm again, when I actually have influence and I have the money I can throw behind it, my thing is going to be a focused goal, like focused goals that can actually be achieved that are not controversial because they cover everybody, right? And if we see incremental changes that will lead to a better society, and I'm going to break it down because I'm not this type of person that just loves to say stuff that sounds good and there's no fucking substance behind it. So for me, it's like this. On justice reform, we could literally sign a one-page bill that says every single law enforcement officer has to have a body cam. That, you know, that right there will start alleviating some of the pressure because we could say after every case has been reviewed within 48 hours, the department has to make the body camera footage uh, in public, right. right? So we'll give the, the department 
you know, they're 72 hours or they're usually three days is more than enough to review, make a decision after they have concluded their whatever in 48 hours, they have to release that video and the public will get a hold of it. And then it's up to the public to decide, but along with it comes with the opinion of the chief or the Lieutenant, whoever was in charge, like, like, Hey, we fired the officer. We didn't fire the officer, whatever. When it comes to school shootings, when it comes to these types of events, it's like, it also goes hand in hand with the peace officers, right? It also goes hand in hand. So if we see that there are like, why can't we have more counselors in school? Like, let's just start there. I don't think it'd be a bad idea or a waste of taxpayer money. If we said across the board, every single school that's a, from an elementary school to a high school that gets public funding, let's add one counselor that's there for kids in crisis. And then their supplemental stuff. If there's not kids or crisis, it would be to help out with, you know, hey, where's your future? How are you checking in? That will start making a difference. That's a very achievable, attainable goal. We're taking small steps small to solve steps. bigger problems. I'm, I'm a big believer. You're not, I don't want to see a fucking like a stack of papers that says, here's the new law for, and you're going to call it some shit like child safety or, or children of America safety. And fucking in it is like all this other shit that's like, yeah. you know, that, that has like some shit that says, oh, we could, uh, you know, uh, we, we give Congress a 20% raise every year. It's like, what the fuck? It's like, have you ever read through like a full Never. bill? Never. Dude, it's so Never. long. Never. It's like, and, and why do you, th so I think, and who knows what lies within those bills? No, we don't. And, and right. And, and, and I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Yeah. Really quick. I just, I just want to add was like, like the, we don't know what's in these bills and why do you think the, so I think the the government makes these bills so long is like, dude, they, they know we're not going to fucking sit through and read all this. So guess what we believe? We believe the headlines. We yeah. believe what the, uh, what the press says. We believe yeah. what people, when they're doing a live stream of um, like uh, the question and answer and whoever it is that's speaking, we believe them. Oh, we're going to this, we're doing this for the country. We're doing this for yeah. X, Y, Z. And we just believe it, but yeah. nothing is certain until you read the fine print. Yeah, I, I definitely think for me, bro, I think for me, um, and I have background because I, when I left the Highway Patrol, my second act as a cop, like I was done being a cop for a bit, but then I, I ended up being a, uh, a college police officer, mm. okay? I did that for a few years. Uh, my, my thing was, uh, the chief loved me. He's like, hey, you're a chippy. I know you're done being a cop, but just, just come work for a little bit and uh, figure out what you're going to do next. And I was like, well, I'm at a college. I love talking. Let me get my master's. I'll go be a teacher at the college. This is my way to get in. That was my mindset. So I was a college police officer for about like, what, three years? Then I just walked away from policing altogether. But what I learned at that time was having an officer on campus definitely makes a difference. It makes a huge difference, okay? With the whole talk about AI, excuse me, burping with the beer, but with the whole talk about AI, jobs being lost, all these things, I think <laughs> on top of, sorry, it's, it's a lot. Sorry, sorry. No, you're good. The, uh, <laughs> Definitely adding one school counselor across all school boards and then adding one officer, one officer per school, just one, one armed officer, a full on police officer that shows up every single time that kids are at school. That officer is at school. Just that one step alone will at least give deterrence or have an immediate response that's right there. I, I grew up with the school safety officer in every single school that I went to from in California, from elementary school through middle school and high school, we actually had a local city police officer 
whose rotation was in it. And, and I'll tell you even more why this is a great idea. This, this is my idea to start addressing school shootings. Here's another reason why it's a great idea. Those school resource officers are hanging out with school, uh, the kids at lunch, introducing themselves. They're going to the trouble you saying, hey, brother, my name is Officer Joha. I don't know what you heard about cops, man, but we're not bad. We're here to talk. If you ever want, if you ever need help, brother, I'm here. It's that demeanor or, that we talked about earlier. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, guess what you have? You have what every police office, what every chief, police chief across this country wants and what they aspire to have is community policing. And the, 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 the biggest meat and potatoes of community policing is the community works with the police hand in hand. They trust the police. The police trust the community. How that happens is through outreach and conversation. What's a better way to do that than having an officer on the school talking to the youth that's going to be living and growing up in that community? That says, hey, man, not all cops are bad. I know Officer Joha. He was our school resource officer. He was always cool. He always talked to us. You know, he, he, was, he always had his door open. Any problems, any fights, anything going on at home, his door was always open. He was always nice. He was always respectful to me. He actually gave a shit. He would ask how my day was going. You don't think that leads to a better society down the road? You don't think that leads to incremental changes for having a better outlook? It solves the criminal justice reform problem. It, me as a parent, I would love to know that if I'm dropping off my kid to a school, that there's an officer on camp. Of course he's armed, but he's there. And not just for school shootings, man. A lot of the things we're skipping over is also fights in schools and all this crazy. I think that's a simple solution that we could bring forth that left, right, everybody could agree. Be like, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. It also helps out with community outreach. And still, add the counselors. Have both. I'm not saying have one. Have both. Have a special crisis counselor where 20 hours a week, they're only focused on crisis and they're only focused on kids that even teachers see they're having a bad time. When, mm -hmm. when you're like in the back of the class and you're reading a book and you see that kid, he's just like, fuck this. And he's yelling and he's screaming. Maybe he doesn't turn into a school shooter, but that kid yeah. needs help, man. That needs, kid needs help. He needs something. Um, he just needs help, man. And, and I think and, I think that's what a lot of people I think that's what like those are my two solutions, by the way. And I think yeah. those are very good solutions. I'm not saying that's gonna solve all our problems, but that's a step in the right direction. I have in two, my opinion. I, I have I two know. I have two very good examples that go very well with both the things you just said about counselors and the police officers, right? So um what I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, um it's crazy we've been talking about this for an hour we could go all night yeah i so the the two years when i went to university of illinois chicago chicago is like crime central right yeah, yeah so it doesn't matter what time and i don't know like i haven't been there a couple of years it may have changed may have gotten better i don't know but when i was there anytime i'm walking around campus like i always see uh uic police everywhere Mm -hmm. like whether it's like by the different halls whether it's on like um east what like east each side of the campus has cops and in the middle of the night they're always patrolling they're making sure like people if they're walking late at night from like an event uh, like a club or an event or whatever like whatever it is that they have within within the school they get back to their dorm safely they have all that so still granted there's still shit that goes on you can't prevent that things are going to happen yeah but the fact that they know that there's okay there's some sort of police presence that's near me like with an like actual cop and what else what else did they do is they added like these little poles of like emergency buttons um where if you're like walking and like something has happened if someone's following you or something i think like a mile or not a mile maybe like 
like a quarter mile or half a mile apart because the campus is not too big. Yeah, they yeah, have yeah. they have like poles where you could just run up to and press like an emergency button and someone will like talk to you and like they'll ask you like what's going on. Yeah, and that's another way to just ensure that you're safe. Yeah, dude, bit. and and look, this is gonna create jobs, and it and it's not. I'm thinking from the like I'm trying when I say stuff like that, I'm not being like oh just because it creates. No, I'm trying to say like why for everybody this is a good idea. It creates jobs. It's an investment in our kids' future, right? Like our kids are feel safer, right? Our kids have counselors. You know, our kids have a spot to talk. It's it's that's where our tax dollars should be going to. You know what I mean? Like that will positively start impacting our society. It will take time. It's not like it's going to yeah. happen overnight. But like these are small steps. There's still so many things. That doesn't mean the conversation's over. This is just one thing that I know. When instead of saying thoughts and prayers, let's at least do this. Let's at least do this and put this forward and say, this is step one. Now let's do step two next. Let's, let's figure out what else can we do? You know, let, let's, let's talk about mental uh, rehabilitation uh, centers, right? Or mental health centers where like if, if a kid is saying, I'm going to go kill myself, you know, whatever. And then they're saying, I'm also going to take down as many people as I can. Hey, let's take that kid to that center and see if we can get them treatment. Yeah, it's going to cost money. But I'd rather have my money go towards stuff like that than go to wars. That's just me though. Call me crazy, right? I don't know. You're not crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 another um another example of this is I do like this I do like this thing in my high school where every year we have these um classes. It's like business incubator classes where like kids are building businesses that are like junior seniors that are going to be going to college pretty soon in a couple of years. And I went there last year and you know it's like a question and answer, right? So there's like a panel of three or four college kids that are majoring in business or have done something business related. And the kids are asking them questions like the kids, the students in the class. All of the questions are revolved around, hey, my mom or dad think that I should go down this path and I'm having a really hard time deciding. Like it drives me crazy. Like I have like anxiety or like I, it, it just, it's just really hard for me to decide like, what did you do in this situation? So like, that's just one example, but even our high school kids before they even go to college are having these like anxiety driven thoughts and thoughts about, Hey, like, what should I do? I don't know what path I should take. And a counselor isn't only there to help in like situations of crises. Like a counselor is there to mm. sit down and like talk to you, right? Like yeah, be your yeah. friend. Right. Yeah. So sure. A high school may have one counselor, but why not five? Yeah. Why not 10? Yeah. Like depending on the size of the high school, why can't you have more? Right. So yeah. kids like this that don't know what they want to do moving forward. Why can't they sit down and talk to this counselor so the counselor can help them evaluate their options? Be objective. Don't be subjective. Be objective yeah. and look at their situation. Ask them deep questions on figure out, hey, what is your situation at home? Like, what are you what's the challenge for you? So it's just like these little things that I think everything you said is perfect. Counselors and um, a police presence or an officer presence around these schools it's very important to prevent these things that are happening um and by the way we talked about this for an hour and i have so much more stuff that we we i want to get into <laughs> so i could talk about this thing all night but i want to yeah. tra transition a little bit yeah into... we could transition man no, i'm really dude, i'm I, really passionate about i know i love it i'm i love I'm, it. you know I, i've been in this and it's like 
look, man, I don't care about the money. I don't care about it. I just want to see people do good. I genuinely do. Because look, at the end of the day, bro, if everybody's doing good, that means everybody gets money in their pocket. That means people like us that start businesses, they're going to spend at our businesses. We're all going to do well. And I do not look at business or even life as a zero-sum game. Yeah, it's. I hate that. And I hate people think like that. And I think it's so ignorant when people think, oh, money's a zero-sum game. You have to kill your competition. You're, no company is going to have 100% of any market. There's enough for everybody to eat. I love that line by Nas, man. He said, like, uh, it was on his album that Kanye produced. Like, I live by it today. He's like, uh, they ain't stopped printing money since I got mine. It's <laughs> a good one. I mean, and since he literally, since he said that line, that was before the pandemic when he dropped yep. that album. And what happened? We ended up printing like trillions of dollars. You know, it's it actually it actually goes into what I want to talk about next perfectly because yeah. let's talk economy, right? And the state of the markets right now. Do you think? Well, I think it's fair to say we're in a recession, right? Kind of. <sighs> yes. No, man. I um, mean... like how how bad do you think, if if at all, how bad do you think it is right now? And do you expect it to get worse? Like, how bad is it in comparison to the ones you've experienced before? Yeah, you know, um. Well, we, we've experienced like very minor. I mean, look. When like 2020, 2017. Yeah, like those were like little blimps, right? And 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 the reality is, is we haven't, uh, we're still, me and you are still young investors, right? So we we haven't had our 2008. We haven't had our, I guess 2020 would have been the, the oh shit moment, but the government came in and bailed us out, right? Right. And um, look. The thing is, is like, it's, it's never, nobody ever knows exactly what's going to happen. Cause if you did, we'd all be trillionaires. We'd buy options and, and, <laughs> you know, hedge our bets <laughs> the right way. Right. But the, the thing that I'm uh, nervous about a little bit right now is I think commercial real estate, particularly office space is something that's going to have to get, um, it's going to get crushed. And it really depends on the people that own, uh, either own the debt or own that asset if they if they're well capitalized to inject right because what happens is let's say you bought an apartment building in 2018 okay then you had a five-year m and so 19 20 21 22 23 you're coming up this year let's say you bought it in october so the october mm -hmm. of this year that debt's gonna have to get refinanced so let's say you bought it with 20 percent down you owe 800,000. and uh, let's say you're only 70 percent occupied right and then your debt was at three percent now your debt's going to be at eight percent so you're going to have to sit back and say, look at the numbers like, okay, so within that time, you probably paid off about 50000 in principal. So now you have $750,000 in debt that's going to hit refi in October. And you know your interest rate is going to be roughly 8%. So you know your payment is going to be you know, 7000 or whatever. It's going to be almost double. And then you got to realize, okay, am I underwater here? As in the rents I'm collecting aren't going to be able to fold that payment? Am I going to have to walk away from this or am I going to be able to inject capital? Can I put a hundred thousand dollars more of my money down, bring that debt down to six fifty, still float it. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in a situation where a lot of people are going to have to walk away. And because you can't fix that overnight. So what do I think long-term of the office space? It's going to be great because right. the person that then is going to come up and buy it, the, the bank's going to sell it for seven fifty. So you're going to put 20% down. So you're probably only going to carry you know, what, half a million, 500, or yeah. five something. Right. And you're going to be able to afford that with the current occupancy. And hopefully if occupancy goes back to getting better, you're going to be just fine. 
Which right? are well over time. You're well over time. But what, what, what happens in the meantime? What does that mean for everybody else? Well, the biggest thing that's going to happen is there's a credit crunch, right? Because banks have X amount of capital. And then they're like, wait a minute, we have all this commercial because between now and 2025, there's like $3 trillion in commercial real estate that has to be refinanced. And that's never going to stop because commercial real estate always works on three, five, and seven, right? But Explain that. Three, five, and seven? A three-year amortization, okay. a five-year amortization, and a seven-year. That means a bank will give you a fixed rate for three years, a fixed mm-hmm. rate for five years, and a fixed rate for seven years. And on, on any commercial property? On any commercial property. On any commercial property. You're never going to get – it's very rare you're going to get 20 or 30%, right? Uh, a tw- a 20 or 30 years. I mean it's always three years, five years, and seven years. That's just how commercial works. Why do they – why do they – why are the – This is you can make this answer quick. Why is it always on a – why is it so short? Because the way the space – because the way space is set up, like this is how you make money. Uh, this is how the system works, right? Because you know, theoretically, what should have happened is you should have bought that, uh, you should have bought that um, uh, office space for a million in 2018. Right. And theoretically, in 2023, you should be uh, close to 90 percent occupied with rents raised, and that building should be worth actually 1.5 million. And then you're going to refinance and that's your perfect opportunity. The bank says, oh, fuck, you're doing really well. Your payments are up. Here's a couple hundred thousand. Now you got all your money back in that time, right? All your initial capital is back. You're letting that shit ride. The bank's happy because they're lending money out. They're making money. You're going off. You're going to go do another project. That's how commercial usually works. That's the founding principles of commercial, right? And that's honestly, that's never going to change because I wouldn't want that to change. I wouldn't want fixed because then it becomes too hard to refi. Then you got to go through everything. It's just the way business is done. Because you're talking millions and millions and millions. Actually, you're talking trillions of dollars here. Mm-hmm. You know, single family homes is trillions when they're lumped together. Right. And it's too hard to predict individuals when they want to refinance. But with a commercial space, like all the commercial property we own is a couple million. And that's very small and compared to like these big dogs. But every time we go to the bank, we want to refi. And I want to make my investors whole every five years. And they're like, wow, Joe Hall made his money. We're going to re-up for the next. That's just right. how the space works. But what happens now is there's going to be a liquidity crunch. And I don't know where that liquidity is going to come. I don't know if the Fed's going to step in and say, hey, we'll provide this liquidity uh, for the banks to be able to hedge that. Because even if you walk away, you're like, fuck it, bro. I can't afford this office space. That's still on the bank's books. It's going to be on the bank's book until they can pay it off or sell it or do whatever. So right. they can't use their capital to give you know money to you that wants to open a chicken spot or money to me that wants to open up another gas station or wants to buy another apartment. Like, I'm sorry, I don't have the money. I need to be able to hold it to, to fill this gap in my balance sheet, to be able to like, you know, make the money move around and work. And that's why everybody's so fearful because they're like money's always happen? moving. Money's always moving. And the most craziest part is the big four are the ones that are eating like big dogs right now because everyone's leaving the small banks because they're like bank runs are scary uh, we'll we'll talk about well i want to i'll get into all that too yeah 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 but so like you know you have flight of capital and capital is always going to chase yield right mm-hmm. because if you're sitting around saying well why, why would i got my money in the bank it's earning nothing i could put it here and capital starts moving the bank was not expecting for you to move millions and millions and millions of dollars out and now they have holes that they need to fill. And that's like right. the problem that's happening right now. It's going to be that liquidity crunch. I don't know what's going to, who's going to come in to save it. Because eventually what's going to happen is more banks might, might go under. And then guys like me and you will go buy up, you know, office space for 50 cents on the dollar. And then things will get better again. We'll come back out of it. But it's like, we're going to have to go through that pain unless rates somehow get cut or someone comes in with liquidity and says, we could save the day. 
Right. You know, you said something um, since we're on the real estate topic, you know, let me let me just kind of like wrap it up on the real estate, because I think you had a very good post. I think it was one of your first posts that kind of went like semi viral. And it was on the it was on the top or the title was what caught my eye. It was like, why is the person who doesn't own um, or the person who doesn't own a asset in 2023 is a slave? Yeah. Explain that. Bro, it's you know, look, any like, have you ever watched that movie? Uh, that uh, movie with uh, man, I forgot that dude's name. I don't know if it was Gosling or whatever, but Time or In Time, where he has all the or no, Justin Timberlake. Hmm. He has all I the mean, time. I, I know his, who that is, but I, I don't think I watched. Well, I'll, after the show, I'll tell you the movie. And ever since then, dude, I never thought about money the same way. But it's just like you know, and I explained this to my uh, my wife's younger cousins that are about to enter. You know, they're thinking about college and all that. I was like, you know you need to care about money because your money is your time. And I was like, if you're earning $10 an hour and you go buy a Starbucks coffee and that's $5, and that wasn't $5. That was 30 minutes of your life, right? Because you literally had to give 30 minutes of your life up to earn that five bucks. Then you gave 30 minutes of your life to buy that Starbucks coffee. So you need to figure out a way that you could have money coming towards you that you don't physically have to go give your time up to get money. And if you're constantly having to physically give your time up to get money, you're going to be a slave. Mm. It's really that simple. So if you have assets that are giving you money, those assets are working for you. You're not working for the asset. You work to get the asset, right. but then the asset is paying you. You have money coming in. You're not having to continuously work overtime to get that money. You're buying your time back. I think, I think a lot of people, just the hump that I think, even myself is something that I'm working towards is getting to the place where you can afford to buy an asset. Yeah. Right. And like, like the young, young people, especially, right. Like I'm, I'm 21. Right. So I'm even now, so I've been working for the past two years. I'm trying to get to that level where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm in a spot now where, okay, let me buy a house or let me get a rental or let me do something. So if there was someone who, who had, a good amount of cash sitting, let's say if it's like 25 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand, whatever it is, if they wanted to get into real estate, let's just use that as an example. If they wanted to, if they're looking to buy a house soon or a property, what would you advise? Would, would it be like a, a home? Would it be like a rental, a duplex, a single family, multifamily? Like what is the process of doing it? Because I think so, everyone here is like, hey, buy a, buy a property, get assets. But what is the breakdown of actually getting that asset and doing it yeah see so the thing is is like look real estate is very capital intensive it's all a capital game if you have enough money you're going to be able to succeed in real estate and survive like it, it's really that simple and anyone that tells you opposite like you get this with no money down you could get that sure you can get something with no money down or whatever but what the fuck are you going to do when the roof falls apart and you got to come up with 15 grand on the spot and there's no lines of credit and your credit cards are maxed what are you going to do Cash what are you going to <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got to have money. You got to have right? You got to have money. So my advice to people is, you know, honestly, first and foremost, it's invest in yourself. Figure out whatever it is that you could do right now to up your own personal income, right? Like if, if you're a young kid, let's say you're your age right now, right? I think this is a great asset for you. I think if you stick with this, you do whatever you're doing in your life. You stick with this, you grow your audience, you figure out ways to start monetizing it. And then you have that cash flow coming in and then you're also your personal career, you grow. And then honestly, 
people aren't going to like to hear this, but I also think you need to find a life partner that is on the same link with you, right? right? Like, because that's going to change everything. So if you and your life partner are both like, yeah, we want to build assets. We want to get ahead. You guys could do it because let's say you only make like hypothetically, I'm not saying only because it's, it's, you know, it's young kids starting out like 80 racks a year. Right. And then your wife starts making 80 racks. That's 160. You guys know you can live off of just one of your incomes. Like right. you, you, your income would be completely destroyed, right? Like you're all the rent, all the bills and all that. And maybe some of hers too, cause you want to live a decent life, whatever. But as a couple, you should be able to save at least 50 racks a year. Right. Like that, that should not be out of the realm of possibility if both of you guys are making, you know, 80 and let's say you guys are, let's say you guys are both making 60. Okay. You could save 25,000 a year. Yeah. So after four years of saving, Especially living guys, at home, especially living with your parents, right? Like that is, you know, whatever, that's what you need to do. That's the sacrifice you need to do. Everyone has to sacrifice at a certain point. You need to sacrifice. You need capital. To me, if you're going to do real estate, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Don't even think about it until you have 100000 mm-hmm. What? And I'm not saying you can't. You could do it, but you're going to put yourself through a lot more stress. Yep. Because your entry point at 50000 to, to to buy something that's actually worth it, you're, it's going to be a lot more headache than actual benefit because you have to put a lot of money in to get it ready, to get it producing, whatever. But once you have 100, you could still go and buy something worth like 60 to $70,000 of it and have that 20, 30,000 as a cash reserve in your account. God forbid something happens. God forbid you have to kick a tenant out and it takes four months because you're in California, right? Or five months because you're in California. Five months of rent loss, right? Eviction fees, right? And the person damaged the fuck out of your unit. So that's another three racks. Where's that fucking money coming from? You're going to kill yourself yeah. if you don't have that money to put in. It's a business at the end of the day, Right. And, and, and like, I w- I'm not saying this to discourage something. I just don't want someone to get fucked over. They're hard-earned 50 racks. They go into like a house that they bought and then they get hit with that bad tenant and all that. And then they don't have money to come in and they end up losing the property. It's like, that's mm-hmm. fucking horrible. I'm not saying this to be a dick. I'm saying this as to protect you guys or to protect whoever's listening that was thinking about it. Like, dude, you need to have capital or you need to have friends or family that got your back that says, dude, yo, Neil, I know you're a solid dude. You, you put your whole 50 in. I know you work your ass off. I know you need 20 racks here. I'll let you borrow it because, you know, pay your rent back or pay your mortgage payment, fix your stuff up and, you know, give me 2%. You can pay me back in a year. If you got something like that, right. then fucking do it right away. But just have a plan for your oh shit moment. So like when, when people say underwriting, the way you need to underwrite your deal, and the, this is an easy deal to, 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 to basic math, how to evaluate real estate. For me, it's a hundred times whatever the monthly rent is. That's the value of that property. Hmm. And I'll explain it to you very simply. If you're buying a single family home and you know the rent in that area and the rent is collecting is about a thousand bucks, you multiply that by 10 months, it's 10,000. You multiply that by 10 years, that's a hundred thousand. You know, so that means if you paid a hundred thousand cash for it, you would get your hundred thousand back in that 10 years. Why did I leave out the other two months? Well, property tax and insurance. And why didn't I add uh, cap X and maintenance? Cause you're going to need that along the way because you're also going to have rental appreciation. You're also going to have rental appreciation, right? So that's, that's like the value of what you should pay for that asset today. And you should try to get that at a five or 10% discount if you can. Wow. So you actually, so it's funny. Um, I was asking one of my cousins, this, who is big in commercial real estate. I was like, you know, how do you evaluate uh, your commercial properties? And the fact that you keep it that simple, I think it's very helpful. That's a quick, I mean, after that, you got to dive into the numbers, but I look at fucking probably six to eight deals every single day, every single day. 
no shit. Like every day across, because we invest in Missouri, we invest in uh, all of Texas, and we invest in California, unfortunately, still, but we're trying to change that. But those two. So we get brokers that DM us. Sometimes it's like three or four, sometimes it's 10 deals. They just pop up. And I'm like, fuck, I, how much energy am I going to put in? And I don't think people realize that. I think people think this fucking like when they look at my page and they see the deals that I did, like, oh, this guy just has a lot of money. He just bought some shit and he got lucky. And it's what, and just like, no, every deal I did, there were so many deals that I didn't do. So many fucking countless hours with Excel sheets and all this process that I had to go through, be like, oh, that's a good deal. That's right. a value add. It's in the right location. The area is getting gentrified. I could add value by, you know, changing the parking or and changing the pet fee and doing this. And, you know, it's a fucking grind. It is a grind. And you're going to learn those things. I can't teach you everything at once because it's like, it, it's a lot. You're, and half of it, you're going to learn as you get into it. Right. And use your resources. Follow. If you're, if you're serious about real estate investing and you're not on Twitter, you're not dude, fucking serious. Bro. I you're have not serious. Dude. I think Twitter, Twitter is the best app. Yeah, it is. And the best. Yeah. So, so for me, so how, would, how would I do that deal is let's say, you know, I gave you my 10, 10, 10, right. That's a hundred racks. I would try to get it from 95 to 90,000. But if he was like, no, I want a hundred for it. I'd be like, fuck. Okay. A hundred. Even if you paid 110 for it, if you paid 10% above what you think, but cause you think you could increase the rents, you like the area, all these things factor in that's around the price range I would pay. Mm. Then it gets into my reserve. So you need 20% down for that, right? Usually from a, a regular bank, but that's not realistic. If you're doing a single family home as an investment, no one's going to give it to you for less than 25%. That's right. all fucking cap. You're going to need 25% down. And for me, my margin of safety is whatever your purchase price is, you need to have at least 3% of that purchase price on hand. So if you bought something for 100 racks, you need to have 3,000 in your bank account just set aside as a, oh shit, shit's about to pop off, mm -hmm. right? And because it's, it's ludicrous for me to say, oh, you need to have 10, that's too much capital tied up, but you need to have your oh shit budget and in my other personal opinion, as you start getting into this game more and more, when you're starting off and you're young, you need to do the work yourself. So that yeah. means when that tenant leaves, you better fucking YouTube how to do paint. Yeah. You better YouTube how to strip because you're not going to save money if you don't do that. Unless you have a really good paying job, then you mentally understand this is a long-term investment and you're willing to fork it out because you know your debt's being paid down, assets being appreciated, rent's coming up, and you have you know, 10% uh, of the purchase price set aside for the bullshit that's going to happen for the evictions, for the, uh, for the unit turns, for the roof, for everything, then you don't need to do it yourself. But if you're really serious and you want to learn, you want, you better learn how to start doing things yourself, right? Like that's yeah. how you're going to succeed in this business. And it's really last, a business. It is a business. I'm tired of fucking people. It's such a fucking joke, dude. I don't even talk to people. I would start unfollowing people if they say real estate is passive. It's not fucking passive, bro. It's not passive. It's a lot of work at once, right? You might go two months and everything goes fine. Your rent's being collected. Everything goes. And you might go through a week of hell. Tenant stops paying, you know, uh, gets in a fight with his wife, uh, punches holes in the wall, breaks the window. Now you got to evict and you're coming in. There's damage. That can happen. And you just need to mentally prepare for that. And that, that's my best advice I could give people is if you're jumping in, be well capitalized. And if you got a group of friends that you're down with and you trust and you guys are like in this thing together, pull the money together, bro. Because right. the SEC is not going to say anything if you have a special relationship. If you're best friends with somebody, if you got four of your boys and you guys are all tight and you guys go in and you guys got $200,000, 
dude, don't go shoot for the moon and take that 200 and try to buy a million dollar property. Take that 200,000 and buy a local house next to you for like 175 or 200 all cash. All four of you guys are working and all four of you guys know, hey, we're going to tap. Uh, everyone put an extra five grand in. Everyone put 55 grand in. We'll have one bank account. We'll put 20 racks in as safety and the other 200 will buy something cash and we'll just let it start building up. And every three years we'll go out and we'll buy another house cash. And you just do that. You'll be fucking fine in your life. Long-term game. It's a long-term game, man. And that's another thing I want to say. It's not going to happen overnight, but you need to start somewhere. And if you haven't started, you need to start mentally. You need to start mentally and say, okay, I want to be there. I want to put myself in a position where one day I could buy a rental, start doing all the things. So if you're not making the income right now, Start listening to all the podcasts, buy books on real estate investing, go on Twitter, literally type in on Twitter, real estate investing. You'll see some of the smartest people there. And you're like, wow, follow, 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 follow. Spend 30 minutes a day on Twitter. See all the deals they're working on, seeing all the nuggets they, they drop, you know, like the strip mall, uh, strip mall guy. That guy's like, has a, like a, hundreds and thousands of followers and he drops gems every single day, right? Dude, Twitter, Twitter is so valuable. I think. Yeah. It's like a, this is funny. It's like a better version of college professors that are actually successful. Yeah. Cause they're actually doing it. And, so that's some of my advice though. Yeah. But, and they explain things so simply. Yeah. Yeah. They break it down, man. Break it down perfectly, man. Yeah. Um, and I also love how, um, I don't know if you've been doing it as often now, but like you, uh, you do the, whenever you're fixing up a property or whenever there's like damages or something, you're always posting about it on your stories and yeah. talking through your thought processes and all that. So even like when you were first starting out, like putting everything on social media, I would watch that and be like, damn, like he's really doing it. Like and yeah. you're explaining everything. So yeah, I, th I think it's super valuable. It's a long-term game and it truly is a business. So, and this is really valuable for me because, you know, I want to get in this sooner than the next couple of years, but I'm in that, you know, um, You'll get it, bro. Look, like just... getting, getting, getting that, getting that capital. Now, now that I hear you say it, okay, I know the number I need to hit. Maybe I should like get a little bit more than that, and then maybe once I'm there, then I'll hit yo, Johal. <laughs> no, dude, you know? listen. I didn't get my first property until I was like 27. Right. So, I mean, and real estate, you'll start compounding like <clears throat> over the course of time, right? And there's no rush. If right. you have time on your side, just learn. And my thing is. I'm not telling people to just partner with me, bro. Become my limited partner because I have a, I have to follow the law. You got to be accredited. You got to have all that. My advice to other people are like, you can do it yourself. Like, and I, share the pot with your friends and family. It ain't fun if you're the only one that has money and everybody else is like, fuck, man, I'm stuck. Get two or three friends that are really passionate, just as passionate as you are, uh, as trying to grow together. You know, sit down, go lawyer up, go talk to a lawyer, put the capital down, the two, $3,000, form the partnership, put the bylaws in there. So everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows, hey, everything's done through uh, through uh, debit cards and checks. There's not going to be any lying or cheating. Go find a CPA that's going to write your guys' book for you. You know, put 55 down, get your other friends to put 55 and 55 down and start just fucking hitting LoopNet and Zillow and just start working like crazy dogs and, you know, just find your first deal. Go through it. You know, there's nothing wrong with sharing the pie. But if you want to do it yourself, you could do it yourself. Just understand it's going to take a little bit longer to save that capital. You know right. what I mean? And uh, and there's so many ways to make money in real estate. I'm, I'm the type of guy that, like, I like to take it slow. And I don't want to sell. Like, if I sold, I think I'd be a lot further than where I am right now because 
all the you know i would have just kept 1031 and all that but like i don't, I don't want to do that i've worked way too hard to find the deals that i have i understand the deals that i have and i'm happy with the cash flow they make and i'm just patient i'm like okay i'll wait i'll just wait i'm just gonna real estate and chill i'm not in a rush to be like oh let me fucking sell this and go buy that and do that i'm like nah if i bought a good deal and it's generating me 10 percent a year on in cash flow why the fuck would i sell it god gave you a blessing just hold it and let it keep compounding for you until you get to a point in your life where, you know, you're like, all right, this thing ain't worth it for me anymore. I can roll it into something much bigger. But until then, it's just like, just have patience. You're going to make money in real estate over time, mm. not right away. It's a, and like, if you're jumping in, you got to give your five, five years, five years, you got to give yourself five years. You're buying a property today. You'll judge that property five years from today. And then you'll know, was it a good deal? Was it not a good deal? Where's my cash flow out? Should I jump out? Where's the market at in this area? Like, did I buy right? Did I buy wrong? But if you're like, it's not like a fucking stock. You can't just jump in, jump out, right? Like you're making a commitment. And my thing to everybody is at least make a five-year commitment. If you're not willing to hold that property for five years, don't buy it. And I, I don't believe in flipping. I don't believe in flipping. I, I Hey, kudos to you if you're doing it. I know people that do it. I know people that make money. But to me, I'm like, why the fuck would I go do all that work? It's a lot of risk. And then, yeah. And then to make, I'd rather do all that work, refinance it, pull my capital out, and then have that asset work for me for the next 50 years. It's a but patience thing. It's a patience thing, man. How many properties do you have now? We have, me personally, 24. But uh, we have 20 that I have in my first joint venture. And then we raised a million right now. And we're looking, man. I think we're trying to close at least 38 to 30 to 40 units is what we're trying to close. How much so. with those 24 yourself, do you like how much are you making on a yearly basis with just cash flow? Uh, every month after I put aside my CapEx, pay all my bills and everything, I'm making about 6,500 a month. So, so super solid, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's I haven't perfect. worked in a, I haven't worked in a year. That's why I was able to quit and walk away. I'm just living off of that 6,500 a month. Amazing. And uh, yeah, and I just I was like I told my mom and my dad and I was like, hey, give me three years. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Dallas. Uh, um, this year doesn't count because this was like a set everything up year because I'm also starting a uh, insurance brokerage down here too. So oh wow, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll get into that once I'm actually. I don't want to speak on it. I don't know yeah. about it yet. But once I'll, I'm yeah. in it, I will definitely you know share that. So uh, you know that's going to be my nine to five. Wow. And then I won't have to touch my income, and that will start growing, and then. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I'll continue to raise funds because I've done it and people that are around me know like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. We'll rather just give him 50 racks and let him invest for us. And, you know, so that's that's my plan. You know, I want to read something that you um, put on your Instagram a while back. I think, oh, March 24th. Inflation is a nation killer who cares about an economy when your society will crumble. Um, so. So that's something that you said. And then a, st a stat that I read that I was reading off of, um, I think it was something called TechCrunch. I don't know where I read it, but it, it said 80% of all U.S. dollars in existence were printed in the last 22 months from $4 trillion in January of 2020 to $20 trillion in October of 2021. So when I, when I read that, when I hear that, me personally, it scares me, right? So... Does it scare you and to someone who doesn't know much about the, let's say, the economy or what or like what does having that much money printed in a short period of time 
do to the economy in the coming years, like in the next five, 10 years? Because I know you touch on this and talk about the economy a lot. So I just I just want to know what your thoughts on that is, because that's a fuck ton of money in a very short period of time. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm not sure how much your uh, audience knows about economy or whatever. So I, it's not that I'm going to try to talk down, but I'm going to try to explain it like I was explaining it to like a six. That's a, that, that's exactly how I want it. Like in my okay. question, I literally wrote like like a ten year old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm big on just explaining things super simply. Yeah, so, so that that would be great. Yeah, one, it is a society killer. Um, who gives a fuck about your economy if? You know, there's going to be blood in the streets and uh, there's so much to unpack right now. Like I, I can't unpack all of it. I'm going to give you the highlights because we're going to start getting into the dollar and I'm not going to stop talking. And then I'm going to start getting into pension reform and I'm going to start getting into investing, uh, you know, for, uh, it, you know, going towards social welfare versus going towards actual impact and innovation and growth. So I'll keep it very simple. And here's the thing. If you had saved $100,000, you worked your fucking ass off. All right. You gave up parts of your life. You took that overtime gig. You made sacrifices in your life that others didn't. The whole purpose of money is to protect purchasing power. Inflation kills purchasing power. I'll give you an example. When I grew up in the 90s, in the early 2000s, a dollar would be able to buy you a nice, beautiful bag of everyone's favorite chips, or at least everyone in the Central Valley's favorite chips, Hot Cheetos. That same bag today sells for $1.99. Your purchasing power for that dollar has gone down. So if you had $100,000, that money hasn't changed, right? $100,000 in 2000, if you just kept it in your bank account at 0% interest, would still be $100,000 today. The difference would be in 2000, you, would able, you were able to buy 100,000 bags of chips and get all fat and then enjoy it and burn your ton. Today, you can only buy 50,000 bags of chips. As people's purchasing power goes down, their quality of life starts going down. You just can't buy as much as you used to. Inflation stays sticky. That's the new famous word. That's the hot word you're going to see. Uh, Inflation is going to stay sticky. What the fuck does that mean? What that means is we'll use wood because wood has always notoriously been sticky. When you have a product like wood, like two by fours that build houses, that build fucking, you know, all kinds of shit that we need, beds, tables, whatever. The way that built that way that the supply chain of wood is it starts off in the forest, it gets chopped up, it gets delivered, and then you have a big supply and you start selling. When a pandemic hits and the supply chain breaks and the price of that wood goes up, everything else goes up too, because now you're having to pay workers more to come to work during that time period. Now you're having to build up this supply of wood. And that supply of wood needs to cost average down. You can't just fucking sell it at the same price every time. So when it means it's sticky, it means like it's 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 going to get in a spot where it's going to continue to rise. Like it's it's not going to stick to one price. Right. That's the whole terminology of sticky. It's not going to just like, bam, it stays at $5 for the next. No, because the supply chains need to rebuild, mm-hmm. right? You got to get the workers back. You got to get everything flowing again. You actually got to build up the wood. Now you have like, let's say you're looking at a log of wood like a stack of wood. I'll use my, uh, I'll use my cards here. I love using like analogies here, right? So let's say like these cards are wood. These cards I paid $200 for. And then hide the pandemic, I paid 300 for this one, for that piece of wood. Then I paid, then I came back down to a hundred. Well, I can't sell you the wood at a hundred. I got these, I overpaid for. 
So these have to average out because I got to stay in business because I got to go back and chop up more wood and I got to get that going, right? So we got to wait until this supply chain builds back up and then the price sticks and is not sticky because when it's sticky, it means costs are still going up and down. We don't have a fixed price yet because different, like one product, there's so many hands that touch that one product that me and you consume. Nobody, very few businesses are vertically integrated, which means they own every single aspect from like the coffee bean or like from the card manufacturer. They own the plastic to the print to the trucks delivering it to the stores. They own the stores. They sell to you. They can't cut costs along the way. Business is going to be done at incremental levels and everyone's business is impacted right. along with interest rates going up and people having to refinance their commercial spaces and having to refinance their cars and that impacts things. Things are sticky. They're just, ah, we don't know. Like a little bit here goes up, a little bit here goes down. Until we get back into a flow like we did before the pandemic where A to B, things are just, bam, they stick because your employment is kind of fixed. Everything is fixed and everything's welling like a well-oiled run machine. So what does that mean? That means things are going to get continue to get expensive. And our labor needs to catch up with that. Our, 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 our dollars that we're earning need to catch up with that because it's running away from us. You are not able to buy the same amount of groceries. People that are earning the same that they were earning in 2020, they've noticed that their fridges have gotten smaller. They've noticed that they can't go out and eat twice a week. They can only eat once a week. They've noticed their insurance has gotten more expensive. They noticed that their property taxes have gotten more expensive. These are the type of things that kill a fucking economy. Because if I feel like I'm doing all the fucking right things in my life and I can't even buy a house and I can't even fucking get ahead, fuck the system, burn that motherfucker down. And that's the fucking mentality that you're going to have a whole population have. Inflation kills a nation because look at the Weimar Republic. That's exactly what happens because the government then in order to pay debt and to pay their own debts and to make the welfare state just starts having to print more money. You have to. Otherwise, an economy collapses. And as more dollars get printed, right, and they're chasing the same amount of goods, inflation just continues to go higher and higher. And then you that's done everything right in your life and you had money in your account as a savings gets fucking destroyed. Of course you're going to be mad. Of course you're going to say, fuck this whole system, burn it down to the ground. And that is something to be scared of. Right. And it doesn't happen overnight. One of the quotes I've loved recently I'm sorry to whoever said it, but I just, it's burned in my brain now. There are decades where nothing happened. And then there's weeks where decades happen. Mm -hmm. So it's not, that. yeah, it's not going to be something like, oh my God, we're at 8% right now. And then all of a sudden we're going to go to fucking 30% inflation and we're going to run. No, it's going to be incremental, you know, quarters that start compounding and people getting more and more angry because it's not even about getting ahead. They're losing their standard of living. And that's the dangers of constantly just acting like money is just, oh, it's just paper. It's not fucking paper. This is why I'm glad we started the conversation about if you work for $10 an hour and you buy a $5 Starbucks, you gave 30 minutes of your life. Money is people's fucking time. They work their ass off to save that money, man. They missed birthday parties. They missed important life events. And you're robbing them blindly. Inflation is a tax that's just fucking robbing them blindly. And someone that already has assets, you know, people that are investors, we're always going to be okay. Because we're going to, like, we figured out a way once. we Once we did it once, we know we're going to be able to do it again. But not everybody wants to be a fucking investor. 
Nobody gives a fuck about like not everybody cares about wanting to drive a Lambo or whatever. They just yeah. want to have food on a, the table. They want to be life. able to a chill life. That's it. And you are fucking robbing them of that. And you're gonna only benefit certain people. And the pitchforks are going to come. That's gonna, just I, that's my that's my thing. And I don't think yeah. we're at that point where it's gonna the world's gonna end or whatever. There are things that we could do to save it. And one of the things that we could do to save it is we have to feel pain. So the Federal Reserve cannot drop that interest rate. That commercial real estate resetting, it has to happen. Like people don't want to hear it, but pain has to happen in order for things to reset, in order for things to cool off. Because like Jerome Powell said, he has the tools to fix the economy when it collapses down like that, right? Because he could just cut rates and we could get things back going. It's a short-term pain. He does not have the tools to fix runaway inflation. Once it gets away from you, you're done, dude. There's nothing that you're going to be able to do. You lose trust in your dollar. You lose trust in your system. And that's how nations fall. I think I think it ties everything perfectly together. Inflation, shit keeps going up. That's why you need assets, yeah. right? And assets help you make sure you don't get to that stand like that standard of living where it's like fuck man i'm kind of getting robbed of my money i want to i want to take this even a little bit deeper and i um i think you'll really enjoy this so the bank term funding program the uh, after the whole uh, silicon valley bank collapse um i don't know how much you read into it or mm -hmm. know about it but i want to read you this pretty lengthy tweet so bear with me but i think it's right up our alley, and I feel like it brings everything that you just talked about full circle. So um, it was by this guy named uh, Rajat Sony. So I'm going to – for those of you listening, I'm going to explain uh, this thing. The Silicon Valley Bank, it was a big bank run that happened, and the bank term funding program was something that was created by the U.S. government to uh, support American businesses and households and assure that banks have the ability to meet the needs of all their depositors. So I'm going to read this tweet. This means banks – can take risks without being worried about a bank run anymore, bank run equaling too many people simultaneously withdrawing money. If banks don't have enough money to create client withdrawals, they can take a loan from the BTFP, aka the Bank Term Funding Program, with bank assets as collateral. It may sound great, but it means the wealth gap will become wider. Banks can now buy even more assets and push prices up. They can pay executives and employees even bigger bonuses and increase the price of goods for everyone. They can borrow money from depositors to buy assets. Then they can use those assets to borrow even more money from the BTFP if depositors ever want their money back. The solution might be positive for the short term, but pain will be felt by the average person in the long term when inflation continues to rise and assets are unaffordable. The average person will be able to store wealth because currencies always lose value. This goes to show our financial system is not built to help you. It's built to help financial institutions. Over the last year or so, many people have had to sell their houses because they can't afford the payments. More people seem to be experiencing homelessness than ever. None of these people receive support from the Federal Reserve or banks. The only solution here is to become financially literate. You have nobody backing you up while the elites are backed by federal systems. You need to build your own emergency fund and asset portfolio to protect yourself from inflation. Over the next few years, the wealth gap will continue to get wider. At a point, there won't be a lower, middle, and upper class. There will be people with assets and people without assets. Anybody without assets won't be able to save for the future, reducing the chance of achieving financial freedom. Most people are going to miss their chance to protect themselves because they don't understand how money works. Anyone without a plan is going to regret it in 10 years when they're priced out of everything. 
that's fucking beautifully said. I, I don't know what else to add to that. I'm like fucking right there. That's why I preach get assets. It's fucking, he summed it up. That's that, yeah. Look, 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 yeah. look, let's look at the other side of it. We know the negative side, right? The other right. side of it is this is what would you do then? I mean, if you don't build this bank out or not bail out, but if you don't make the depositors whole, you're possibly talking about letting hardworking people that deposit money that didn't do anything wrong, all of a sudden their money's not worth anything. And the bigger problem with that is it sets, uh, it takes away faith from the system. When faith from the system goes away, now the whole system starts collapsing on itself. So this is not just as an easy issue as like, oh, let the evil banks fall. An issue that we could resolve, but then would also slow down capital growth. Because you got to remember, um, this is a point that nobody wants to talk about. Somebody has to make big bets in order for society to progress. Because if we all worked on cash, who the fuck would invest in Google? Who the fuck would invest in Tesla? Nobody would. Because you'd be like, no, that's not, we're not fucked the future. We're only going to invest in assets that work right now. So you'd have a lot of capital and stuff that's not also giving you advantage in the future. Technology does bridge the gap on a lot of these things. And a lot of people don't want to be financially free. A lot of people want to work, you know, for uh, X amount of time, but they want to enjoy what they're working on. They want to feel like wherever they're working on actually matters. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. Not everybody wants to just be an investor and sit at home and kick their feet up. Right. My problem with the whole thing is, is I don't like the fact that you tax those people invisibly, invisibly, and you take away their purchasing power and you don't let them even be able to retire on their own. So if this path that we're going to, excuse me, the only solution I really see is government is going to have to take a bigger role in people's personal lives. And what I mean by that is if we keep heading down this path where the gap gets wider and wider and wider, someone needs to bridge it and it's going to have to be government funding, you know, and um, I could tell you one thing right now, me and you are not going to see social security until we're like 80. Damn. You know what I mean? So what is, that what is mean? it? What is it like? It's going to, I think it's going to, there's not going to be enough by 2030, 2033 yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah. But you got to remember they'll kick, they'll, they'll fix that. And how they'll yeah. fix that is me and you probably won't get social security until we're 85. But I mean, right. you're going to have to continue to pay. That's just, you know, it's all hearsay, bro. And, and honestly, that's why it's like, we could sit here and we could talk about this. We could talk about that. We could go deep diving. But the reality is, is people need to wake up and just take control of their financial future. Otherwise, they're going to get steamrolled. They're going to get steamrolled. And like, how can you take advantage of your financial future? It's a lot of steps. And if you don't want to listen, you don't have to listen. I'm not saying my way is the only way. Find a good partner in life. Okay. Find a good partner in life that has the same mindset as you because you can't do it by yourself. You can't. Live a little bit below your means. Try to save as much of that excess capital as you can and start putting it to work. And what does that mean to put it to work? Bro, you could literally just buy things that you guys already buy on a daily basis and that will start hedging you. If you fucking shop at Walmart for your groceries two times a week, why don't you own Walmart stock? If you go to Starbucks every single day before work, why the fuck don't you own Starbucks stock? If all you do is buy Nike workout gear and that's what you're into, why are you not buying some of Nike? I'm not even being sophisticated here. Fuck the real estate and the leverage and the refis. I'm just talking about basic ass shit. Just take 10% of your income and pay yourself first. Then take 10% of that income that you put to the side and slowly 
Just buy the things that you are already buying as a consumer. Because your dollars are already going there. Why shouldn't you have those dollars come back to you? Like, I, it doesn't make, it never makes any sense to me. I think, I think for the average person, right? Like yeah. you, like you mentioned, I think having a life, a good life partner is so fucking important, dude. dude like I, I, I've been, I've been super fortunate to, you know, be in an amazing relationship for like four and a half years now. And I think I, there's very few times where I find like, the joy in my day of like sitting down with her and be like, Hey, babe, this is how like Palantir stock works. Yeah, like, yeah. This is what they do. Like, this is what Apple, this is how you buy it on Weeble. Like, so like sitting down and doing those cool things and her being like, Oh, this is so cool. So like over time this goes up and this comes. So it's like explaining that and her being open to listening to those things. And over time, like these little things, they add up, right? So, like for example, a couple months ago, she started at zero. Right now, over time, it's like, oh shit, you got a couple thousand dollars in there, and then it's like slowly going. It's like, dude, like it's the same thing that you were talking about earlier. The compounding of these things are so powerful that there's no quick fix, but the long term game, it is the quick fix. Well, yeah, because everybody, and it's bullshit, bro. Like I, I learned this at a young age too. It was like, uh, pay yourself. And I think that's a valuable lesson that hasn't been passed on. And what does that mean by pay yourself? It means whatever you're earning, you can put a percentage on it. I think 10% is very fair. If you're not at that level yet where you can't, I totally understand. I'm not trying to disrespect you or talk down to you. We're all at different stages. So work however you can to get to that level where you're making an okay income. And what do I think is an okay income? I think take home independently. If you're independently taking home $5,000 a month after taxes, it's a fucking great income right now. Even with inflation, it's still a very good income. And if you have another partner or your 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 life partner could also bring five and you guys together could bring 10 and you guys could keep at that for five years before you start doing family planning and all that. And you guys just take 10% of that, a thousand bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month. You put it and every month, you just buy spy or you just buy the things that both of you guys go do every weekend, right? Like if you and your wife every weekend are... Uh, like runners or you guys are love going to the gym. Like I said, you guys buy Lululemon. That's your fucking thing. Or you, or you buy Reebok or whatever, whatever the fuck it is. Just buy half of that, buy that. And the other half just buy spy. Let that compound. You'd be surprised in five years. That's $60,000 compounded. It'd probably be like close to 70, 75. That's mm -hmm. a nice, nice little nest egg. And it's in an asset. As inflation goes up, that asset is going to go up too. Your purchasing power is going to get protected. That That's the most simplest thing I could tell everybody like you know we could we could talk about everything else that could go wrong and like this and this and that but just taking that small incremental step over the course of 10 years 15 years bro it makes all the difference because you in five years you look back and you're like oh fuck with the dividends with the growth holy shit our 60,000 is worth 75,000 shit babe I, I I think we could buy a little rental with this mm -hmm. I, I really do or we could buy our first home or we could buy our mm -hmm. second home oh shit babe we're coming up and then that's how it fucking starts, man. It, it's yeah. not rocket science. It just starts slowly. And over the course of time, you're going to do very well. That, you know, that, that's my opinion, man. Like I said, what the fuck do I know? I'm just giving you what I would do. You know, I'm not saying I'm right. <laughs> what the fuck uh, do us two Indians know, right? <laughs> no, no, I don't know, bro. That, that, you know, I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm just trying to look at it. Like I'm trying to give you my perspective of how I view the world. And that's what I would do. Right. 100%. So 100%. Why has politics become such a sport in 2023? Oh, man. You want to know why? Can I give you my honest answer? Sure. I, I don't even know if I should say this because it's like, 
It is very disrespectful, but it's, it's the truth. Fuck it. If you guys are going to hang me, you guys are going to hang me. But this is my truth. I think politics have become sport because it's easier to give an opinion on something that you feel about than to actually sit down and have to think through an actual logical thought. If I question you on politics, I mean, if I question you on economics or a business or real estate, there is about an 80% right answer. It's like, you know, you could say, oh, what about this? And what about that? But me and you're going to have an intellectual conversation about a property. We're going to have an intellectual conversation about a certain type of business, why it can work, why it can't work. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to press you. And there is going to be a right answer and there is going to be a wrong answer. But how can you ever tell somebody that their feelings are wrong? You can't tell me that what I'm feeling is wrong. I, oh, Trump's a racist. Oh, Trump's, it's just a witch hunt. That's what I feel. I'm never going to win about how you feel. When you go away from politics and you talk about other topics, it's about logic and applied logic. And logic out of politics has been taken away. So it's became a feel-good thing. You're fucking pissed off about your life because inflation is high. You're our age. You can't get a house. You're, you know, you're trying to get a promotion. You can't get a promotion. You're angry. you got to direct it somewhere so you find someone to blame. It's the fucking Democrats because they're running up stock options. Look at these corrupt fuckers. It's the fucking Republicans. They're stopping abortion. There's, you know, they're not giving us health care. It would have helped. It's a lot easier to just feel and just let out than actually have to be able to hold yourself to a fire and give an actual real substance behind it. That's my opinion. I think that's why it became sport. It's became a way to just take anger out and just to never be wrong because no one could question you on how you feel. It's become something that we can blame. Yeah. You want to know what I wrote down? So I wrote down, I, I, I literally wrote down politics, colon, dash, and then I wrote down my answer. I was So here's what I wrote. Here's how I view politics. It may be because I'm young and don't know anything it might be, or don't know anything like what it might be. But why does politics affect so many people? Question mark. This may be selfish or a hot take, but like no matter what happens in the world, I'll wake up tomorrow and have the same life situation. God willing, I still have a roof over my head, food and water on the table, a family, beautiful girlfriend, and everything um, and everything I have in my life. So why should I let it take up so much of my mind space? Question mark. Yeah, why should that's, you? That's, that's my genuine take on politics. And, yeah. you know, one of my best friends, he's probably, he's going to watch this. He, um, he and I, we talk politics and economy a lot. And he told me he was like, it's important for you to like know about politics and be aware about it and knowledgeable about it. And I went on like a deep dive to get to know a lot about politics or try to read up on it as much as I can on Twitter, right? Because Twitter is great. Mm -hmm. I find myself thinking a lot though is like, what am I doing this for? Like I, it's cool to have this knowledge. It's cool to know these things and current events and whatnot, but the more I let it take of my mind, the more easy it is for me to feel and get angry and want to lash out rather than me not just think about it and just live my life. So I don't know. I just think nowadays politics has become politics and news, right? Like national news. news cycle, TV. Yeah. 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 It's re it's revolves a lot around money, propaganda and feelings more than facts. So I, c I can't, I can't agree more. It's unfortunate, man. Like yeah. 
sorry. No, 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 you're good. No, you're good. Go ahead. Um, Look, man, like it is mentally exhausting. Like, fuck, just the, you know, the whole hacker situation. I haven't posted about it because I I, want to get more information until I do. I just posted the what Zero Hedge talked about, like, you know, the Pentagon papers that got released. And they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're starting to verify that the money that we sent to Ukraine, surprise, surprise, a lot of it is being ate up by the generals and by, you know, Zelensky himself and all that. And so as an American, it's like, it's not going to change the deal I'm working on right now. Like all the, I have a stack of paperwork I still got to look at. I'm flying out to uh, California tomorrow and I got a whole bunch of other shit I need to do. Raise rents over there, fix some things up, a couple of business meetings of flying back. What the fuck can I impact the world? But I think it's important because it is the fundamental people died for us to be able to have the right to one, be able to speak and two, to be able to vote. And if you want to be able to do the latter and you want to be able to vote, you better throughout the month and throughout the year, you better pay attention to somewhat what's going on mm-hmm. and understand what's going on and make your own determination. Is this the right way? Is this the wrong way? This guy's running. This gal's running. What are they saying? What are they saying? That is your buy-in to this society. That is your buy-in to this society. That is your contribution. You don't have to yell at the top of your lungs. You don't even got to single, say a single tweet or a single post. But you owe it to yourself as a citizen, as a buy-in to this country, at least one hour out of the uh, uh, out of the out of the week, right? And and give yourself an opportunity if you're really left-leaning. Watch Stephen Colbert or watch the whatever. But give one person on Fox News that you're like, I kind of fuck with this guy. I'm gonna listen to him once a week or once a month for one hour. See where they stand on some issues. Be informed and make what you feel in your heart is the best decision for whoever's voting. And then follow them on Twitter and see what they're saying. If their opinions are at least 50% aligning with you, then let them do their thing. You carry on with your life. If they're not, then start looking for somebody else that you could invest in with your vote. That's the only reason I would say that we need to pay attention. And I, and I agree with you 100%. You don't need to post every single thing that happens. You know, I have to do it because that's the business I'm kind of in right now, right, to stay relevant. But as an independent as an independent person, it is okay to have or it is good and it's healthy to have good dialogues. You shouldn't be yelling at somebody trying to rip their necks out. You're like, oh, I hate you because you got blue hair and you hate me because I'm a conservative or whatever. No, it's like, hey man, I think this is, you know, like we had a beautiful conversation about the school shootings, right? Like uh, like a, a healthy, not like not that it was a beautiful thing to talk about, but like we were like, we both agreed, like definitely something needs to be done. You know, I think we both agreed that body cameras on every officer would be good. And if we could get counselors and we could get police officers on schools, that would be good. That's a healthy conversation that we had. Now we should look on Twitter. We should look at like, you know, Mr. Crenshaw here in Dallas that's, that's representing us or representing me. I think he's not in my jurisdiction, but like someone like him, see what AOC is saying, see what these other guys are saying, see what the presidential candidates are saying. We just, if me and you both believe that, who else is speaking that? Okay, that's where my political capital is going to go. My vote's going to go there. Fuck what I post on the internet. Fuck what I post anywhere else. My vote is going to go there. And that's what all we could do right now. We could share what we think, have these conversations, get different viewpoints, but that has to be our buy-in to our society. Our society will crumble because you're a smart guy, bro. You are a very smart guy. And if someone like you just says, fuck it, I don't want to pay attention, let someone else handle it. You know who else handles it? The crazy loonies that get voted in. And then they say defund the police. And then me and you were like, what the fuck's going on? Nobody was paying attention. You You know, know it's right there. It's It's right there, what you just said viewpoints yeah right so i think 
I try really hard to, and by the way, I still sometimes suck at this, but trying to hear people out and understand another point of view, right? And I think the only reason I'm like that is because I've gotten my shit challenged. I've gotten my perspectives challenged and my beliefs challenged from my friends. And I'm lucky to have friends that are willing to have that conversation and make me stutter and be like, oh, wait, fuck. That doesn't make sense. Like what? I, so like what they're telling me, oh, shit. Yeah. That's probably a good way to think about it. So viewpoints right there. I don't think enough people get their beliefs challenged. No, you're right. So and, so, so, yeah. so so when we like exactly what you're talking about, when you spend that one hour, you spend those couple hours ta- uh, listening to AOC or Trevor Noah on The Daily Show or Stephen Colbert, whoever it is, right? If your beliefs start to get formulated around a certain thing, right? That's the first step. The second step is, okay, how can I talk to someone that has an opposing view or get my stuff challenged to make sure I'm understanding this the proper way or just to make sure that I have both sides of the spectrum covered? Because I think in this country right now, there's too much of either one side or the other. It's like either either you, um, you, um, what, what was the... Oh, you're pro gun or you're anti gun, one yeah, or yeah. the other. Like, yeah, like there's no, there's no, there's no middle. Yeah, um, there's no barrier anymore. It's just one or the other. And I think if you do uh, decide to be in the middle or even speak to someone who's like, if there's someone who's like super this side or super other side, and you're like, hey, I'm kind of, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. This is what I think. You get put in like a bucket, and yeah. that bucket, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, yep. that bucket a lot of times is not the most positive one. Yeah. So with it not being a positive one, it's like, fuck, man, like, should I voice it? Should I not say it? Should I just, you know, only talk to people that are, have the open mind to have these types of conversations? It's like, I think that's what people need is like have viewpoints on politics, but also figure out a way to get those beliefs challenged regularly. Yeah, but I think that's something that you can do, bro. Like, I mean, as your audience grows and you seem like a very open-minded person, right? Like you're like, hey, yeah, fuck it. I'll hear you out, right? Um that, that that's what it takes to have a functioning society. We have to pay attention, man. That is like I'll say it till I die. That's our buy-in, man. Right. We have to pay attention. And look, and sometimes you know we're gonna we're not gonna win an election. That's okay. You know that's okay. That's not the end of the world. But then it's like I wouldn't like look. I didn't vote for Biden, but I'm not. I don't look at every opportunity to bash him, right? I'm like, okay, he's still our president. Let's like you know do whatever. But if I don't like the way things are going, I voice it. You know, it's okay to want change. You should never be bullied or intimidated by somebody like that. Because at the end of the day, no one should take it personally. Like if I ever say something personally, I, I try so hard not to make anything personal about anybody. I try to just talk about the topic in general. And I want to be very respectful, you know, to everybody's feelings. Cause it's like, it's not fair, you know, and, and you don't want to talk to somebody like that. If somebody talks to you like a dick, you're like, man, fuck this guy. Even if this guy would have showed you, you know, how to become a trillionaire you're like no i don't i don't, I don't want to fuck with this person right and i think that's another thing is we've lost respect in this country for one another and that's horrible it's it's absolutely horrible and respect like, was the thing that like no kept, matter what you kept it yes yes you're right dude i, I hate that man i hate that like I, I don't care if i talk to somebody that says defund the police all cops should be fired i still want to respect you as a human being bro i, I just want to know why you feel that way well, what can we do to bridge this Let's work together. You're not my enemy, bro. You're my brother. You're my sister. Like, we're all part of this nation together. Like, 
your nieces and nephews are going to be going to school with my niece and nephew. We're all they could be playing at the park together. We're all one. We're one country. Like I respect your point of view, respect mine, and let's see if if there is a way we could get to the middle where we both kind of win, but we got what's best for everybody, not just what's best for one group of people or what's best for another group of people, right? But the only way we get there, bro, is we got to continue to talk about it. We have to pay attention because if we don't pay attention, if guys like me and you stop paying attention and we were all just about the money and the hustle and we just hand the country off to some crazy people, what are you going to do if they change the laws and they say, Mr. Patel, you just built up a 100-unit apartment complex? You don't need 100 units. You only need two. Bam, voted in. Then what are you going to do? Right. And, th and that's the shit that scares me. That's why I pay attention. I'm in business. I'm like, whoa, if I'm not going to speak, who is? And if it's I can, right. yeah, it's our right to, and I'm not saying everything I'm saying is right. And I'm only whatever I've, I've said this in multiple, one of my podcasts, my whole philosophy on a debate or a discussion is if you get me to change my mind, I'm the one that won, not you. Cause I grew as a person. Like, you know what I mean? Like winning a debate doesn't mean, oh, I, I fucking gave you the hard points. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, oh shit. I listen like, damn, dude, this guy's right. Why the fuck? I didn't think about it like that. Now I grew as an individual. My thinking grew. I, I became a little bit better from that conversation, but we don't care about that. Right. The, the yeah. dynamic. We don't, right we, now we, is don't, like, we don't look at that. We don't, but I think there's a lot more people like me and you that can sit down and have this conversation, agree, disagree, you know, laugh, be humans. Then there are people that are crazy left and people that are crazy. Right. That think like Trump is still the president and shit, you know, like, and we give those people voices because they keep yeah. fucking talking. You know, and we're just mean guys like me and you are like, we don't want to rock the boat and disrespect people. You know what I mean? Have do you know who? Um, do you know who Lex Friedman is? Have oh you yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've listened to a few of his podcasts. So he has this uh, philosophy called the philo like it's uh, philosophy of love. No matter what someone thinks or what someone says, right? At the end of the day, I'll still shake your hand. I'll still hug you. Like love is everything that he's trying to put out into the world, and. He thinks that by having conversations like mm -hmm. this, right, talking through agreements, disagreements, and just putting good energy and love into that conversation and into the world is the way to fix America or like all the things that are going, I guess I, I shouldn't say fix America, but like the things that are like the gaps or like things that are a little bit broken in certain things, right? Like wh why, why can't, the things that you and I are doing, like sitting down and having this conversation, why is that so hard to do at a state, local, or a local state, or a federal level? That's uh, on the politician side or on the human side, because there's a difference. Can you explain that difference? Well, well, I guess, like for example, like both sides, right? Like if there's like Republicans and Democrats, why can't they just come together and be like, okay, here, we both at the end of the day, we want this for Americans, right? Mm -hmm. If because that's power. They, mm. you divide and you conquer. Like if I got my base and I go out and I fucking yell and scream, if I'm a Democrat and I yell and scream at the Republican, if I'm a Republican and I vote down a law that probably makes sense, but I vote it down and I got my base riled up, I keep my power. So it's a power game. Of it course. is a power game. You keep each other fighting and you got all mm. these people right now. They're like, oh, Trump, whatever, you know, and they're going to keep pushing it. And then on this case, it's not healthy at all, man. And, and on a human level, Look, man, on a human level, it just goes back to people are just fed up. And I get the left. I get it, bro. I absolutely get it. I'm not like I make fun of them sometimes because they're fucking crazy. 
you know, like they're like, you know, like the ones that went up on Bernie, like the post I put up with Bernie Sanders and they came up and they said, you got to let her talk. And they're not being, uh, they're not being reason. They cut, they think in their head that they want, they, th- what they think is this is the right answer. This is the way it should be. They just don't want to listen. But the other part of the left that's like radicalized or whatever, they're just fucking fed up with the system. And how can you blame them? They're like, yo, we're fucking 25, 26 years old. We got your fucking bachelor's degrees. We can't even get a fucking job or raise a family. So fuck it, burn it down. And that, that's that been stemming since like the occup- the radical left that people want to talk about now, it, it split two ways. It split into people like me that after Occupy Wall Street and the bank bills out, bailouts happened, we said, fuck this. We got to get... We got to get assets and we got to just protect ourselves. And the other side said they, they never forgave it. They're like, you guys fucked us. And then now you put these student loans on us and you guys fucked us even more. And they're lashing out in anger. And that anger grows as there's less and less there for society. That's what I think is the fundamental problem on both sides. And on the politician level, you want that anger to grow, baby. You want that anger to grow. More angry voters means if I can keep you angry, your passion and your vote stays with me. It's not necessarily about making a change, right? I can stay in power longer because I can cater to a certain group of people and continue to wild them up. And then those people think like, oh, this guy's really fighting for us. Well, they don't give a fuck about you. They're trading stock options to make hella money. But as long as they say the right things to be like, ooh, they got them. And then the base keeps wild up. They they stay in power. As long as the, if you notice that the conversation never comes around money, it's always about social issues. It's not ever about the money. Mm. It's about school shootings gun rights, abortion, social justice. What about the fucking money? Who's talking about the money? No one talks about the money because that's a no-no. We're not going to talk about how Republicans and Democrats are making millions of dollars. You get what I'm saying? That's the problem is they they got us pit against each other while they're just printing and minting and no one cares because they care more about the emotional aspect of it and, and, and nobody wants to hear each other anymore, dude. You know, it's I think down to the human level myself, this can be again be a very naive, I don't know anything type of take. Yeah. Those are usually the best, by the way. Okay. Now you got pressure <laughs> on me now. <laughs> now I'm now I'm kidding. But I think I think I think everyone has a little bit of um Republican in them, and I think everyone has a little bit of Democrat in them. Let me explain what I mean. I love that already, bro. I love yeah. that already. L- let me explain what I mean real quick. So we all want to make sure that us and our family and our loved ones, we're good, right? So we're going to make sure at the end of the day, we're going to fight for ourselves. At the end of the day, it's every man for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what the Republican side, I think that's what they kind of gear towards, right? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you're going to, um, we want what's ours. We want to make sure we have the money and the assets and the business shit, whatever. We, we, we want that for ourselves too. We want to be mm-hmm. able to make our money, have our assets, do all that. But at the same time, on the Democratic side, you also want something that's like pushing for change, right? Mm-hmm. Like pushing things, like moving the needle is what I like to call it. So, okay, if there's all these social issues, right, we need groups of people that are actually doing things to make a difference. Yeah, 100%. Right? So, yeah. so me... At the end of the day, look, I want to make sure my money in my bank account is protected and it's growing and my girlfriend and my mom and dad and my grandma and all the people that I care about, they're taken care of. And I want to, I want to make sure that 
that part of me, I want my bank account to get bigger and me to become a better person so I can use that money to take care of them. That's my Republican side. And I'll do it and I'll I'll agree with anything that not not anything, but I'll agree with I, I, I see I, I know what you mean. Not I'll agree everything, I'll, but yeah, I'll yeah. I'll agree with things that'll help that side grow. Yeah. But on the other side, there's also fucked up shit that's going on in the world that I also want to be like, hey, this makes sense and we should push for this, right? Like people shouldn't be getting taken advantage of or whatever issue it is, there's a right and wrong to it, yeah. right? And everyone's yeah. right and wrong is different. So mm-hmm. I get to gauge that and I get to think about, okay, what's right for me? What's wrong for me? Okay, this is what I think and that's it. So it's like I have a little bit of this side and I have a little bit of this side. Mm-hmm. That's just how I think about it. Yeah, and isn't it kind of fucked up that we only have two parties? Yeah. <laughs> do, you th- like, do, you think, do you think there's going to be a... What if there's a third soon? I just think the machine is too big, man. Like you got to understand, yeah. like so when you start looking, it's at like the, digging into a foundation of a house. Honestly, in a sense, yes, because once you start following markets, like how closely I follow markets, like on the daily, the the reason why the market didn't crash when Trump didn't win or whatever is because they kind of realized, like, oh, Biden is going to keep things going the way it is, or this cycle and the twenty two cycle when the Democrats lost you know, the seats and this radical tax reform didn't come through. Everybody kind of knows the lobby the lobbyists kind of know everybody knows everyone that's betting in the markets and the futures and everything knows, Oh, shit's going to be status quo. And the economic side, we kind of want the status quo. We don't want shit to rock the boat that much. We don't want massive legislative change or like a new deal to come on because then we got to reevaluate everything, all the dollars we put to work mm. and we got either got to pull out or pull in or whatever. So, the way the machine is working is like the money's already too entrenched. It, it's it's like a river. Like, you know, when it came down, it just it went right for the Republicans, <laughs> left for the Democrats. And it just got deeper and deeper and deeper as more and more money, more and more water flew into flew into those rivers. Because think about it this Excuse way. The, no, you're good, brother. Uh, think about it this way. If like uh, if I'm the DNC and there's a young, you know, radical person coming up in like Detroit or whatever. I'm going to just allocate my money and destroy that person and put my candidate there. We control power. And unfortunately, that's just how it works. Now, can it change? I think with social media, we can. We could probably have in the next – I'm predicting probably by 2030, we'll probably have the very first – and like AOC was a good example. Like people might not like her or do like her. I don't, I don't – you know, whatever. But she's an example of like a social media politician. She got her own following. She's representing her own stuff. And, and that thing, and you're, she's entrenched. She doesn't really need, like, as long as she's okay to her base, she'll stay in power. And I think you're going to start having pockets of that across the country. And that's where they're going to start breaking away or having, like, or breaking away in the Democratic Party, right? Like the Tea Party was a part of the Conservative Party, or like the Republican Party overall, right? It, it just takes time, bro. We're such a it's young gonna country. Take time. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I was like, it's going to take time. Let's have a little bit of fun. What would the world look like if we only pushed positive content on social media platforms and on news? Wow. Dude, I don't think uh, – I think we'd have TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, because when I'm on TikTok, bro, I don't really see a whole lot of negative stuff. I see Dude. a lot of stuff that's like positive. I see a lot of stuff that's – and this is not a TikTok promotion. I'm not saying that. That's so crazy you say that, bro. Hold on. I, I want you to finish your thought but really quickly. No, no, no. Go ahead. I've been talking it, all day. My it, bad. No, yeah. no bro. Dude, <laughs> this, this is amazing. But it's so funny you say that because my <laughs> – I don't want to make you feel old, but my generation, right, like yeah. the Gen Zers, it's all like 
controversial shit or like negative shit and like um like for example with like this tiktok banning that was trying to trying to like push through it was like should we ban tiktok and like if we do ban tiktok i feel like me personally like i don't i don't i didn't think it would do anything like if we banned it or not because there's still going to be like your youtube shorts your facebook reels your instagram reels so it's like you got to tackle all those as well if you ban tiktok so well i think that tiktok was more for the china thing that was exactly yeah was for, 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 the, for the security yeah for the security strictly yeah but uh but but i just but i just think like in our generation it's more geared towards the idea being negative content but i think people people don't realize that dude you can curate your tiktok feed to your likings right so yep. if you're if you're seeing bullshit like you're seeing bullshit because of what you decided to see so i think it's super funny that you said that it's all positive shit and all like my entire journey is like no it's like negative we can ban it it won't matter can but i ask like, you a question do you think it'll be do you like i don't I, I don't think they would do this but do you think that at least a government should make a law where they allow you to reset your algorithm? Like they say, hey, if you have a social media thing, right? Or you have a social media account, all companies in America that operate in your settings, there should be a reset button that allows you to delete all your data, all your history, and you restart on the app like you were brand new. So you get to pick again what you want to see. Mm, I don't know. Because think- I'm trying to think like how, like, you know, I think there, there's probably some positives to it, but there's probably some negatives to it as well, just like anything else. Um, I guess the positives to it would be like, fuck, if if I'm seeing a bunch of shit that I don't like, like it's like a I have a great reset button. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to ponder on that a little bit. What do you yeah, think? Could, could, well, I mean, like for me, it's always been uh, and I've posted about this so much. Like I'm so tired of people bashing social media because the reality is, is if all you're doing is looking at tits and ass and you're liking those and then you're liking negative like politician posts, that's all you're going to fucking see. Right. But I'm a prime example of like, you look at my fucking feed. It's, I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of watches because I enjoy watches. I just love the mechanics and everything of it. But other than that, it's nothing but fucking business on my feeds. 100%. And I have some politics because I post politics, but I don't like politics on my Instagram. I don't know. I don't follow that many politicians. I don't like political posts. And uh, I get them like randomly through Reddit. Like I source through everywhere. People DM me. I take it, you know, but all my stuff has been just to connect with people. I, I only like like, you know, uh, real estate pages and real estate content and uh, income content and options content. And on my Twitter, I follow nothing but smart people that talk about the things that I love. Twitter's a hack. It, it, I don't, I'm just saying it's a cheat code, right? But yeah. I, I think – to, to answer your original question, it was like, I, I think you get, it's like anything in life. You're going to get what you put in. And if what mm. you're putting in is negative energy, that's what you're going to get back out. And if you're mm. looking for that positive energy, that's what you're going to get back. That's just my opinion, bro. That's just what I've seen. And because I've learned so much online, I'm so thankful for social media because not only have I been able to connect with people and have phone calls and conversations and all these things, yeah. I would have, me and you would have never fucking met in our whole lives. Yeah. Never met. Maybe we're across. Yeah, weird. So weird. It's you know? weird. It's weird how shit works, man. I think. So when I hear like people um, talk, like saying, you know, social media, like we can't, we should ban it, or it doesn't do anything for me, or it's not useful. Well, it's like I just think, again, could be a hot take. I may not know anything, but I just think you're you're probably just using it the wrong way. I I fundamentally yeah. believe that people who aren't 
um, people who aren't using social media as a way to catapult their um, personal brands or like putting their thoughts out there. Like I think it is the single greatest opportunity within the next 10 years and shit maybe i was probably five years late to it you nah, were probably, you're never late you're never i late. You're i get never it late. but, but, but you, you know what i mean but yeah like it's i think it's one of the best opportunities to grow something right so and again it's not for everyone because this content shit and this social media shit it's 10 times harder than what anyone else can ever think it is oh it's, yeah it takes forever it's a yeah. lot of fucking work dude yeah and 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 the fact the biggest part for me is i've this this two and a half month span where i've been doing this daily podcast and i'm on a mission to do it for a year straight and then branch out from there and still doing podcasts but probably less episodes but dude i've met so many cool people in yeah. the span of two and a half months, bro, like yeah. a couple couple days ago, dude, I booked um like they're gonna be coming on the pod in the next couple of weeks, but I got I'm I'm having people come on the pod that I would just look at and be like, fuck, bro, they're a celebrity. They've talked to like every single person, and I'm just like, dude, this all happened because I decided to cold DM someone or yeah. email someone or yeah. post some shit and that yeah. they resonated with, leading with love, leading with kindness. You get in what you or you get what you put in, yeah. type of shit. I think if you stick with this, bro, you're going to get so fucking big and you're going to be so legit. It's just, are you willing to stick with it? That's it. It's on you, bro. I, I really do. You have the talent. You're fucking super easy to talk to. You're very respectful. And uh, you're not scared to just talk and just reach out to people. I, I think you're going to do great, bro. I just think you got to got to be patient, bro. Yeah. If you just be patient, just stick with it. The fucking sky is going to be the limit, bro. It really is. I appreciate that. Um yeah. But yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I've 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 gotten I've gotten I've met a lot of cool fucking people, man. Oh, so. you're gonna meet a lot of even more cooler people. And there are gonna yeah. just be so many opportunities opened up to you. You're gonna be like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's it's gonna be a fun journey. What's your biggest fear? <sighs> Honestly, I don't, I don't. That's a tough question to ask, man. Jesus, what is my biggest? I mean, I, I fucking hate snakes. <laughs> That's for sure. Like I am fucking terrified of snakes, but biggest fear in life. I don't know. I think my biggest fear in life is I'm just not going to do anything in life. Like that was worth it. And I feel like whatever I do do, whatever I do accomplish, I feel like it's never enough. And mm. I just feel like no matter what, like I, I hope I get to a point where I, I look back and I can be like, okay, I think I'm okay. Like, I think I've done, like, I think I've done okay in life. Cause I don't know where my measuring stick is. Like, I, I, I don't know how to like, that's a, a personal thing for me, right? Like I've looked at the things I've done and then people are like, bro, you're doing so much. I'm like, what the fuck am I done? I haven't done shit. I can't like, I can't live up to like what my So like, you don't know, you don't know how to measure your progress, your growth, your success. Like, what do you mean? By None that? of that, bro. Like, I just always look to like what my dad did and I'm like, I would never be able to do that. I, I can't fill his shoes and I'm like chasing him. And it's like, I, you know, for me, it's like. I don't even, it wouldn't matter. Like that, I, even if I made a hundred million dollars or if I only made a million dollars, I would never feel like it's enough. And that's something I'm trying to work on where it's like, it doesn't have to be a monetary thing and it doesn't even have to be an asset thing or a personal thing. Like I just want to get to a place in life where I have peace, where I'm like, I'm just genuinely overall, like just, just happy. I can just walk away from it, right? Walk away from it all. And it's nice to say, and that's a nice goal to have. But I'm so like, go, 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 go that I, I don't give myself enough time to pause and be like, 
where am I? And, and is this where I really want to be? Because I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I have no idea what the fuck I want. I am just going 100 miles an hour. You're just I'm doing like, the thing. I'm just doing the thing. I know that I know I want to do. I know I want to grow this real estate thing. I know I want to be able to raise like close to five million a year and go get it. I know I want to grow this insurance thing that I'm trying. I, I know I want to raise a family. You know, I know when I want to love my friends and I know I'd love hanging out with them and I love hanging out with my, my wife and I love hanging out with, you know, people that are in my life and I enjoy that, but I have no fucking idea what the fuck I really want. Like, what is it? I can't put a dollar amount on it. I can't put anything on it. And that kind of scares me because it's like, what, what am I chasing, bro? You know, I think. No, because so what the fuck am I chasing, bro? Like, that's, that's... I, what am I doing here? What I am think, I doing here? I think you, know? you answer the question though. So like what you're chasing I don't know if you know who Alex Ramosi is. I don't. Dude, you have to watch it. Like, not some, all of his content. That, like, okay, DM me. I, 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 have, to, I, I have to, I have to, I'm going to send you everything about this yeah. man. But, but, you know, uh, my girlfriend, I showed her one two hour podcast of this man and it changed her perspective for like everything she's accomplished this past six to 12 months. Everything. And he has this philosophy and this. It's kind of like a like a nihilism kind of thing where like it's like a it's like an aspect of nihilism where you believe like nothing matters or um, you don't believe in anything. It's kind of extreme. But the main takeaway from it is that you there is no should or because in life. You just do it to do it. Right. So when you when you're when you do the things that you enjoy, you're just doing it. And I think yeah, that's, that's, what, that's also my that, fear that, right that, now. Because I'm like, why that, am I doing it? I don't know why I'm doing it. You know? But 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 you're but you're doing it for you're doing it like you just named off the reasons, right? You're you you're doing it to make sure that you take care of your wife and your future family or your um, you know, your parents, you're chasing your dad. That can be your why, right? When someone asked Tom Brady, is like, hey, who's your hero? He said it was his dad. Yeah. And that's who he was chasing. And so that can be your why. It's like I think I struggle with that too a lot, especially because. No, so what is your fear? What is your biggest fear? I think my biggest fear. I think it delves a lot from insecurity because I've. I think my biggest fear is not fully. Not fully reaching my potential of the impact that I can have in this world. So, and that goal, it can like constantly change, right? So, like even if I hit X number of listeners or X number of people I've talked to and impacted, or the X number of people I've tipped fifty dollars to at fast food drive-throughs or helped homeless people, there's always more that you can do. So, when we talk about a why or like a fear, it it's kind of like a finite, like the the question itself kind of presents like a finite. Um, amount of like when there's x thing reached or when x thing is there that's what my why is or that's um, what I'm doing it for when in reality you're just doing it for the you're doing it because you enjoy the thing and that thing presents certain challenges that you like overcoming and once you overcome those you reach these barriers that you never thought possible and when you get to barriers that you never thought possible it's like fuck I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life because I enjoy it so much and yeah. then you just fucking die. And in that pro in, in that process, if you can, I don't know if you've heard this quote from Picasso, but it was like the purpose, the the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of it is to give it away. So 
the meaning of life is to find your gift, whatever it is that you're good at. And the purpose of it is to give it away. So everything that you're doing, right? Like you have a gift in, let's say real estate, you're talking or, um, building cool relationships with friends or your wife, whatever it is. And the purpose of it is for you to go, I guess, on social media and talk about it, teach people, do the things that you're doing. That's your purpose. So that's a very simple way to look at what your why is or what your purpose is or your question that you asked me. What my biggest fear is, is not getting to like that level of knowing what my impact can be, but that level will never will be reached. Yeah, I was going to say, you're so young, bro. You got your, like, literally your whole life. You know what I mean? And and that level will never, that, that will, that level will never be reached. And I think that's where your insecurity comes in. Insecurity comes in of like, I'm not doing enough or like I'm fat, I'm overweight, I'm insecure, or I'm not being better. I'm not doing better. I'm not. So you're really hard on yourself. Yeah, me too, bro. I, I think we're right there. I always, like every day I'm always like. Yo, but I didn't do shit today. Even though my wife was sitting down, like, "What the fuck you mean you didn't do shit? You did da 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 da." I'm like, "Yeah, but that didn't really count, you know." And it's like, I don't. But I think that's also kind of like how we grew up. I think me and you grew up in a very similar household structure manner that we're both like driven to go more, right? And it's like we're never gonna feel like it's enough. And that's another fear of mine is like I'm like, I don't think I'm ever gonna do enough, right? It's like, I don't know why I'm doing it, but whatever the fuck I'm doing, I'm like, fuck, I don't think I'm doing it enough. I enjoy it. And you, and you, you enjoy it, but then it's like, fuck, I got to do more. Yeah. I think that's how, that's how you get hyper obsessed. And with hyper obsession comes a very exponential level of growth over a long period of time. If you constantly take those steps, like those short compounding steps consistently. Yeah. You know how hard it is for me to post every fucking day? Yeah, there's dude, fucking yeah. days where I just want yeah. to fucking throw my phone at the wall and be like, I don't want to fucking do this. And then there's days that I just fucking love it. And I'm like, wow, I'm having so much fun. And then some days I'm like, fuck, do I really got to post this? Like, all right, fuck it. I got to post it. Yeah. And I, and what I just told you about me getting yeah, to you're, have it. You're crazy. You're going to do a podcast a day, every day for a whole year. Yeah. I've been doing it for 76 days in a row. Dude, fucking <laughs> so, shut out, bro. That is yeah. a lot. Hey, for anyone listening, you guys have no fucking idea. That is a lot of sacrifice that is a lot that's a lot bro that's a yeah. lot bro. yeah i don't know and you know it's funny because when i started this like i just thought i was like dude why why i'm gonna do a fucking podcast every day like i'll do it but you get into a groove of things now it's like i can't sleep until i have a podcast ready to be uploaded tomorrow at seven in the morning so like even today like i knew i had to interview you right so i yeah. had to plan this two days ahead so like on tuesday i was like okay i gotta make sure i have a podcast for wednesday and for thursday because i can't record today because you know i'm talking to you this will go up you know next week so it's like you get into this like level of obsession where it's like i can't miss and yeah. like if you miss then it's like fuck like you just did all that work for nothing so it's like you're i'm being super hard on myself but i know once i get to that year mark then i'll be like i have have you ever heard of the saying that your the quality is in the quantity when you start so you want so like just how you post like three to five times every single day mm -hmm. you're kind of like you're just putting shit out there and like the more shit you put out you'll realize that over time you have a certain you your audience gets geared towards a certain type of content and then after you have enough like um, at bats like swings at the bat of throwing content out there you'll realize that oh shit my audience likes to see this more 
than all this other shit that I post. Let me like, let's say if you do this for three but can years, I be honest with you? I've never thought about posting shit that people liked. I, I swear to God, like hope to die right now. Like everything I post, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, I fucking think it's cool. Mm-hmm. Or I think it's fucking funny. And you'll mm-hmm. know when I'm drunk. You'll yeah. know when I when I like, you know, you know when I'm fucked up or if I'm out. Like I'll start posting shit that's just retarded. <laughs> and then you're just like, you know what I mean? It's just like dumb. And you're like, why the fuck? This guy's a finance guy. Why is he posting something about Kanye West singing country music? Like what the fuck yeah. does that have to do think, with, you know? I think and I'm that's just like, also, that's the beauty though. I think yeah. that's the beauty of what, what but that's you, what keeps it fun for me, bro. Like, 100%. I know that I like, sorry, not to cut you off. No, no, like, no. Not, like I know if I wanted to get bigger, if I cleaned up my act, if I just put certain content out at certain times and did certain things, I could probably be way bigger than what I am, but that's not fucking fun to me, bro. At that right. point, I'd be like, I, I wouldn't, it would, it would feel like more of a job, you know, it, like sometimes it feels like a job because I'm just like, Oh, I'm busy. I'm doing shit. And I still got to go find something interesting. And I'm like, oh, or at least let someone know what's going on in the world, right? And those days, I'm like, I hate it. But majority of the days, I love it. And if I ever got to a point where I was posting shit where I was like, oh, this is going to get the most views. Like, Sorry, my mom was just saying goodnight to me. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, you're good. You're, like, good. you're uh, good. Sorry, what were you saying? No, that was it. Like, I, I just don't want to get to that level where I feel like I have to think about what I'm going to post. Because at that point, dude, it would be not fun for me. Yeah, I mean... For, that's for me though. That that, yeah, that, just, no. that works for me. Like I no, know that's... other and for other people, it's like you kind of have to, you know, for you know, you know, like we know so many guys that have like those uh, quote pages or have those uh, you know positive cash flow business pages. If they were to post something that was controversial or whatever, they would lose it all. Like they're yeah, you know what I mean. And I'm like, I don't know if I ever want to get in that. I don't want to. I don't know if I ever want to be boxed like that. Right, 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 right. I don't know. That's just me. I don't know what the fuck do I. You know, you know, you know when people, you know when people say niche down, like niche, like you have to find a niche type of content, right? Like, I don't know if I, and maybe this will change, right? Like, just like anything that you and I have said in this, like our thoughts may change, but yeah, I don't know if a niche. I think when you niche down, I think that's when it fully starts to become a job, and not that there's anything wrong with this content thing becoming a job, because. This thing can pay really well if you do it well for a long period of time. But I think, again, like you said, it's about that box, right? Like if if you don't have a box, you have unlimited things to talk about. You have unlimited content. And unlimited content means you're able to do this for a very long fucking time without without getting – like sure, you'll get tired and – but like it'll it'll keep things interesting so i think with me when i do this daily podcast like yes a lot of the stuff i talk about is about like self-development and mindset and business you've had a bunch of like i've seen your like your uh, post on like tiktok and stuff because you're really starting to you know and you have some interesting people and you guys talk about all kinds of different things it's not like you're just always talking about one thing all the time like every person you're bringing on has a unique story and you're kind of like the Indian Joe Rogan, bro. That's what you're trying to do. You know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but I mean, shit. Well, dude, even dude, even Rogan. I, th- I don't know if many people know this, but dude, Rogan started this like 12, 13 years ago. And yeah, it took a long time. To, to this to this day, I, I mean, I don't know if this is true. This is just what he said. It may be wrong, but he said he has never like promoted his pod. Like it's all no. grew. It's all grew from word of mouth. Yeah. And now it's the number one not, not now it's been the number one listen to podcast for for damn near a few half, years a now, decade. Yeah. Yeah. half a decade yeah so dude yeah what is the what was the biggest sacrifice that you made in your life Oof. let me think about that bro biggest sacrifice i've ever made 
like what is that like pertaining to like relationship wise pertaining to uh, where business the, or the if you were to look at everything in totality like your financial situation your emotional situation relational spiritual like everything what was the biggest sacrifice that you had to make whether it be mentally or emotionally or like your actual life situation that has given you the life that you have today i think I'm on that journey right now. I feel like, uh, you know, the job that I had as a, as a cop before it was, I was doing really well and, uh, I could have left and still got a job at that college and been making around 70, 80, 90, like around that ballpark starting out. And, uh, I told my wife that, and she, I love her to death, bro. Cause she believes in me like crazy. And I was like, I want to move to Dallas. I want to start this fund. And I know I can raise capital here. I got a few investors and we got connections. Let's go. And uh, oh, man, I'm looking back on it. And it's just like, it's so stupid sometimes. It's just like, we had it all kind of like made. Like she was making like 80. I was making like 80. We had our rental income, right? And we were, excuse me, we were good. We could have just let the rental income grow. I could have did it myself and still been in Cali, just been not struggling right now, right? And like trying to figure shit out and trying to start things. And that would have been perfectly fine. We would have rode off into the sunset and never had a really big issue, like, right? And putting all that on pause and going and tapping into my rental income, into my savings to start this, you know, uh, real estate fund and to start this insurance thing and to move halfway across the country, you know, to say like, hey, fuck it, I'm here. I'm going to go try it. So far, that's been my biggest like sacrifice because I could have just took the easy route and just kept doing what I was doing everything would have been fine. And I don't know if this shit's going to work out. I don't know. You know, I, I, I hope it does. I'm going to give it 110%. I owe that to my LPs. They, they trusted in me. And of course I'm going to deliver on that end, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue to raise money and do what I want to do. I might have to only, maybe I only raise with these guys only. And after a couple of years and my insurance doesn't take off and I'm like, fuck, I got to move back. I, I can't just stay out here and just live off my rental income because I'm not growing and I want to grow. I don't want to just stay the same. So, you know, that Dude. to me has been my yeah. biggest sacrifice so far. So I'll let you know how it goes in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, that's, yeah. that's super insightful. Yeah. I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm thinking about it myself. Like, what is the biggest sacrifice? I mean, given that I'm super young, I think the biggest sacrifice I made was leaving college early. I mean- Yeah, I could tell that really bothered you, but I could tell- you know, that that has been a, I can just tell it bothers you, man. I mean, I, I feel like you felt like you left, let your dad down, but it's not that bro. It's not that at all. I feel like you can't be too hard on yourself there, bro. You're, you're chasing, you only get one life. You only have so much time. And with this beautiful, beautiful life that you got and this once in a lifetime opportunity, you got to even live. Mm-hmm. you said, screw everything. I'm going to chase my heart. I want to chase what I really, really want. And that takes fucking balls, bro. Right. Cause for you to play it safe, it would have been finished school, wait, get a little job, then start this thing. Dude, I, I think have that's both. why you're, yeah, but I think that's why you're going to succeed. I have both, bro. I have such a, dude, I, you, have a, I have a great job, right. And like the job that I've been at now, it's been like a year and a half and granted, like there's some things at the job that can be better. Right. But bro, I, you know, what doesn't, experience wins yeah well i'm proud of you bro because you put your nuts on the table and you bet yeah. on yourself you bet yeah, on no. yourself bro i, I mean so fuck what I'll, anybody says yeah. dude like i am proud of you bro that no, takes appreciate- massive massive <laughs> balls that takes massive massive like 
I don't even know what the word is for that, but it's right. like, I wish there was more people like you that did that. This world would probably be a better place if we had more yeah. people that believed in themselves and just went for it. I appreciate that, man. It's, uh, it's things that they, they really humble you when, when you hear things like this. So I really yeah. appreciate that. It's yeah, it is. It is something that bothered me because it's like your it's like your parents' dream, right? But then it's like yeah. at the end of the, it's at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I gotta gotta do what's best for me. You know what's funny? I always tell my dad, um, whenever he talks about the schooling situation, and I didn't even tell you this, but it's it's so yes, I'm not in university, but mm-hmm. like I I do work and then I do this pod and then on the side I still take a couple classes at community college just, online. They're so knocking to, it out. Yeah, just yeah, to, yeah, just yeah, to get yeah, it done, yeah. right? So it's not like I'm fully out, but anyway. I always tell him when he talks about the school thing, I was like, dad, look, if I get a degree, I don't get a degree. If I get an amazing job, I don't get an amazing job. I'm in a position now where it's like, granted, it's not like having a hundred K cash position, but it's in a position where it's like, dad, you're we, building to it, bro. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's it like that. Nothing. You know, hold on, hold on. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's like it's like dad. I can still take you out for lunch to B Dubs on Saturdays. Like, yeah. you know, we'll be good. We could still have dope experiences. Like, we could still go drive up here and do whatever you want. Like, you could still take my car to work and chill. You know, like it's like these small moments, right? That a father and son have. Dad will still get to have them regardless if I have a degree or don't. Yeah, or if you have a million dollars in the bank or not. And and sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Okay. I, I just wanted to say. Bro, it took my dad 10 years to save 100000 10 years it took him to save 100000 And, it, it, like, it, he still did very well. And because of him, I'm able to do very well. So it's like, I mean, I feel like sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves because we think, like, oh, by a certain age, you have to be at a certain thing. And it's like, it's not like that. You said it very beautifully where it's like, the, the thing is, dude, you get to enjoy time with your dad. Right. Who cares about the money, bro? You, I could tell the, how much you love your dad. I could tell how much you love your mom. You get to spend time with them. You've already won. Right. Everything 100%. else is just a fucking cherry on top, dude. Dude, beautifully said. Um, I want to end off the pod. I know we've been fucking going. Hey, yeah, this, this is, is great. Crazy. I didn't think it was gonna go for this long, bro. Early. I thought it was gonna be like forty-five I'm, minutes. I'm sorry if I if I fucking drag. No, dude, I'm long. sorry for talking so much. No, like, yeah, I just I feel bad. I'm like, oh man, I'm like not giving you like you know, I'm sorry. Dude, no, this is perfect. This yeah. this is every everything I've ever wanted. Trust me, I, I signed <laughs> up for this. So this is this is great. Um, but since I do this daily podcast, you know, answering these deep thoughts and questions on tips around, you know, like self-development and mindset. And I feel like I've already asked you deep questions, but do you like what's one like if you had to put a question to it, what's one deep question in your life that you have yet to find an answer to that maybe I can explore? on one of my pods or maybe it's a question that you have for me that i can talk and like really do a deep dive on my pod that i you know do every day hmm. damn i really gotta if, if you don't mind can i take a Go minute ahead. to like yeah, really yeah. think about this the power of editing no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah no no no. it's fine it's fine um no i'm fucking with you i don't know i uh i guess it would be a twofold um for me it'd be For me, it'd be like, to really answer, it'd be like, what do you really want out of life? Mm. Like, honestly, just like, no bullshit. Cut it off. Like, what the fuck do you really want? Do you just want a significant other that absolutely loves you, adores you? You can raise a family, have a house. Or do you want, do you really want the Lambo? Do you want the car? What the fuck do you really want? Just be honest with yourself. What do you really want? 
And then my second question on that would be, is what do you think the meaning of life is? Mm. And I, I love to answer that. I love to ask that because it just puts into perspective where question one and question two, if they're, you know. So what do you really want out of life and what is the meaning of life? Uh, uh, I think I think I can briefly briefly answer it where it's like my immediate thought is do cool shit and build cool shit with cool people. <laughs> I love it. That's yeah. that's that's that was my first immediate thought. And then my second one is that Picasso quote, man. It always stays in my mind. Um the meaning of life is to find your gift and the purpose of it is to give it away. Like it's so powerful. It's so so simple yet so powerful. Yeah. Um but yeah, man. Dude, we've been talking for fucking three hours. Um, again, I want to thank you so much. Oh, for time. I, know, I know you got crazy paperwork and shit you got to do. You got a flight to catch tomorrow. But yeah. um, again, thanks so much. And do you have any final words before we jump off? Uh, just for you, bro. I just, from the bottom of my heart, I, I, you are talented. I really hope you fucking stay with this. Don't let any motherfucker discourage you or talk shit. Or say anything. If they say something, cut them out of your life. Because fuck them. They're not there for you. They don't give a shit about you. And they're not going to, you know. And anyone in your life that brings that negativity, cut them out. I could tell that this is your passion. I could tell you love it. I could tell you're genuine. And I think if you stay with it, bro, you're going to do fucking great. And I just, I really, from the bottom of my heart, I hope you stay with it. I really I, do. I appreciate that so much. And uh, you have my word because we're fucking doing this 365. <laughs> so, Let's fucking so, go, baby. So we're, we're fucking doing this 365. And, um, you know, I'm keeping my word with this because I've, I've done way too much shit in the past where I haven't I haven't just like hit the Steph Curry follow through, like the follow through, but not this time. This time we're definitely going to get it. And I'm excited um, yeah. to watch your journey, man. I really am. I appreciate that. And right back at you, man, because, yeah. you know, you're, you're building some cool shit. You're helping a bunch of people and you're building your empire. So. You're doing what you got to do. Guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Jahal, again, brother, I appreciate you. Uh, thank you all so much. All See right, you guys. guys later. Take care.